Tune in to the Neil Prenderville Show weekdays from 9 a.m. on Cork's Red FM. And at eight minutes past nine, a very good morning to you. Hoteliers are cautiously optimistic as the sector reopens, says the Echo. Cork hoteliers welcomed back guests today for the very first time in months under the government's easing of restrictions. Catherine Martin, the tourism minister, welcomed the start of the reopening of the tourism and hospitality sector. Miss Martin said there was cause for cautious optimism as the rollout of the vaccination programme gathers pace and that the reopening of the tourism and hospitality sector, quote, represents a further important step in the COVID-19 resilience and recovery plan, unquote. She said she was acutely aware of the importance of international visitors and that the government remains committed to supporting tourism and has published a national economic recovery plan. The family-owned and run Fernhill House Hotel and Gardens in Clonakilty is set to open its doors and get back to creating wonderful experiences for our guests and friends. Part proprietor there, Michael O'Neill, runs the business with his parents and siblings, said the grounds have been the family home and have been shared for generations with their guests uh, ever since his grandmother Mary first opened the doors in the 1960s. We'll be mentioning and speaking to a couple of hoteliers today as well, I venture, and uh, excited hotel owners yesterday preparing for today's big reopening as Guinness pumped out an extra 5 million pints before pubs and restaurants reopen next week. The hospitality industry has suffered more than most during the pandemic, but they are chomping at the bit to get back uh, to work again. Hotels, B&Bs and guest houses will be back in business from today while outdoor dining will be on the menu from Monday, June 7th. And while we can have packed shops per se, it still boggles the mind here as to why the uh, new uh, and arriving hotel guests cannot enjoy outdoor alfresco music from a very much battered sector of the uh, population as well, the music industry. Uh, And I I don't think it makes any sense whatsoever that outside music cannot be allowed at this time. And I'm sure it will be challenged, and I'm sure there will be backbench uh, comments to uh, leaders on Question Time about that. The Guinness team, however, are going to be calling to nearly 8,000 pubs in Ireland. And not just Guinness, I mentioned, I'd venture the uh, the other breweries as well, the Heineken and everybody else. Uh, also, cleaning lines, uh, 50,000 beer lines need to be cleaned. And while many hoteliers have looked after essential workers through the pandemic, they say there's nothing like welcoming the families and the tourists back. But if you have a leisure centre in your hotel, they can't use it until next week. Uh, Ireland basked in glorious sunny temperatures yesterday as temperatures here soared to 22 degrees. I was in the car at one stage yesterday and it was registering 24 degrees. Hotter than Monaco, than Lisbon and hotter than Zagreb. But sun worshippers had to make the most of it as heavy and thundery rain is set to lash parts of the country today. The sudden change comes after people flock to the beaches, lakes and rivers to soak up the fine weather and summer vibes. The showers are from a weather system that developed in the Bay of Biscay and for Ireland. Anything that comes up from there, it means uh, because it's uh, substantially warmer, it's going to be quite wet uh, and a quite unstable weather flow coming uh, and will affect Ireland over the next few days. 3.5 billion to get the country back on track. The Taoiseach announces a business-focused plan. Of course, the... uh, Downside of the plan is that there's always, there's also in there the uh, reduction and the phased, uh, and phasing out of uh, the PUP also increases potentially for many, many people. Uh, in the LPT, the uh, local property tax, Michal Martin vowed to soften the economic impact of COVID yesterday and kickstart the economy with a 3.5 billion package of supports, borrowing a slogan from British Prime Minister Boris Johnson and US President Joe Biden. The Taoiseach promised the government would build back 
better. That was uh, fully part of the uh, the UK government's announcement, I remember. The business-focused plan will see the 9% VAT rate extended into next year. That's good for the ravaged hospitality sector, along with the commercial rates waiver being extended into late next year. Uh, delayed tax payments uh, allowed as well as part of the uh, the business recovery plan, so you can put off your tax payments to an extent uh, until next year. And uh, New focus is being, pl- being placed on loan schemes, on hospitality, on uh, the rail network. We're going to get uh, major rail enhancements here in Cork. In the arts, a pilot scheme for the arts sector to provide a minimum income for artists expected to launch in January. The wage subsidy scheme will remain unchanged until the end of September. It will continue until the end of the year, but at a rate that has yet to be confirmed. More detail on the LPT and the bans and the local property tax coming from the Minister for Finance, Pascal Donoghue, today. And in job placements, more than 50,000 job placements on training schemes focusing on green and digital jobs. I heard a very interesting comment from the CEO and founder of Zoom uh, over the last 24 hours. Their uh, profits for the first quarter uh, of 2021 were $227 million, uh, up from $27 million uh, on the same period last year. So that's a, an increase of $200 million. And when challenged to say that Zoom will no longer have the same relevance when people begin to return uh, to the workplace, he had a very good comment. He said, work is no longer a place. Think about it. Back to the papers and to the star. The pandemic unemployment payment set to be phased out in three stages starting on September 7th. On that date, the three pop rates will be decreased by 50 euros each before another 50 will be locked off it on November 16th, just in time for Christmas. And a final 50 euro cut will be made in February next year, bringing the top PU pay rate of 350 in line with the traditional dole payment of 203 euros a week. Uh, so that's the post-COVID plan to undo economic damage. I know there's a cost, a huge inherent cost, to the support mechanisms the government has put in place. And I know there's going to have to be reductions, and I know things are going to have to be phased out, and I know there's going to have to be tax increases. Um, the property tax, though, I didn't see that one coming. Well, we will discuss that between now and 12 midday. Pharmacists to start rolling out vaccines. A Cork pharmacist has welcomed the planned commencement of pharmacy vaccinations later this month. And I can see the value in having a rural and remote communities serviced by their local pharmacy, rather than people having to travel to uh, the bigger centres, such as City Hall or Parky Kiev. But the Minister for Health, Stephen Donnelly, announced on Monday that community pharmacies will commence administering COVID-19 vaccines this month. The Minister's announcement follows intensive campaigning from the Irish Pharmacy Union to utilise the capacity and expertise of pharmacists. Pat Dalton is the proprietor of Dalton's Pharmacy on the North Main Street, said he welcomes the news. It's very welcome, he said. It's good news. We were disappointed it didn't come sooner. We can't wait to get going. They get €25 per jab and €10 for updating the system. So it's €35 per person. Our pharmacy has been notified by the HSE. They want us to participate in the COVID vaccination program, he said. We haven't got specific details on who we will be vaccinating. We don't have any details on the vaccine we will be administering or when we will be administering them. But it's good because it will help speed up the rollout and we are ready to go. So best wishes to all of the pharmacies who are going to be administering the jabs. Now, the first Irish case of COVID reinfection has been confirmed. A healthcare worker caught the virus in April and again in November. Uh, the first scientist confirmed Irish case of a person being infected twice by COVID-19 has been reported in a 40-year-old healthcare worker who caught the virus last April and again in November 2020. The woman first presented with fever, headaches, sore throat, 
shortness of breath and a loss of sense of taste, resulting in her missing work for four weeks due to significant headaches and persistent fatigue, lasting four months, according to a paper published in the Irish Medical Journal. Fresh hope for June 21 as deaths fall to zero. The first uh, day of the pandemic with no COVID fatalities in the UK. This is the Times UK edition. Henry Zeffman reporting that the UK government had no New coronavirus deaths to report yesterday for the first time since the pandemic began, raising hope that the remaining restrictions in England may still be lifted this month, as was originally planned. Uh, The keys are to be fenced off to halt public uh, gatherings. The Port of Cork plans to fence off sections of its city centre keys ahead of the bank holiday weekend in an effort to prevent large public gatherings. The port company said the move was being taken in the interest of public safety and to accommodate commercial shipping traffic on what are essentially 24-7 working keys. The decision was taken at a company management meeting yesterday which discussed how it should respond to a pattern of large gatherings during lockdown on the port's property, uh, particularly along Albert Quay and Kennedy Quay. Guardi have attended the area on numerous occasions, as we've heard, in recent months and have moved people along. However, hundreds gathered on Kennedy Quay again last weekend, resulting in a massive clean-up operation. And the Port of Cork utilised the city quays predominantly for dry and break bulk cargo. And when a ship is operating, there are cranes in operation and trucks entering and exiting the area. So it can be very busy. And that's going to happen, I think, before this weekend. A beauty spot has been blighted by antisocial behaviour. One of East Cork's most beautiful amenities has been blighted by the antisocial behaviour in recent days, uh, with deliberate fires threatening uh, wildlife and causing mayhem for local people. Ardna Hinch, a beautiful area of Shanagarry, around 1am on Monday. Um, Gardi say they're investigating reports of trespassing on a premises there. It's merely a symptom of a larger problem blighting the popular day-tripping spot. Locals have described marauding youths coming into the area, setting fires around the beach, stealing gas canisters from local homes, wild camping, and leaving piles of litter behind. Areas targeted include protected sections of land that fall or fall under the remit of the National Parks and Wildlife Service. And uh, it's a beautiful area. It's between Cloyne and Garryvo. Uh, and it's a lovely beach, great place to go for a walk. And of course, uh, the Trawler Boys are there as well. Brilliant takeaway. And that's their Friday, Saturday and Sunday. Uh, accused was holding a knife, says the court. A uh, teenage accused was holding a knife during an argument outside a house party in Cork City where 20-year-old college student Cameron Blair was murdered. A witness has told the Central Criminal Court. You can check it out on the front page of the Echo. The Naval Service has detained a Spanish trawler. Uh, also reports the Echo. It has detained the Spanish trawler involved in an incident with a Castletown Bear trawler in Bantry Bay last Friday. Local TD Michael Collins was questioning on Taoiseach about that in the Doyle yesterday. And a €185 million Euro upgrade to Cork's railways is going to be a game-changer. Uh, the Taoiseach has described the €185 million Euro upgrade to Cork City Railways as a game-changer for the county. Micheál Martin and Transport Minister Eamon Ryan announced the upgrade as part of the government's €1 billion Euro recovery plan for the area. The money will be spent on the upgrading of lines at the north of Kent Station, allowing for the construction of a long-mooted station uh, or set of stations at Blackpool, at Tivoli and out to Blarney. Why not? If they can get it in Dublin, we can do it here as well. 19 minutes past nine, a very good morning to you from the Neil Prendeville Show. The Neil Prendeville Show.
Now, of course, the hotels are reopening and uh, there are various initiatives in place. Musgrave Marketplace are spending 650000 as has been reported in tonight's Echo uh, or today's Echo. And we'll be doing our Musgrave Marketplace competition throughout the programme between now and 12 midday and telling you more about that wonderful initiative on their behalf. But we have now online Aaron Mansworth and uh, the typical hotspots, of course, to fill up will be uh, especially the hotels under his control in the... Is it the Trigon Group, Aaron? That's correct, Mick. Good morning. Great to be on with you. How are you this I'm, morning? I'm very good. You're a native of Cove, a one-time manager of the famous Waldorf Astoria in New York. Wasn't that where Scent of a Woman was recorded? It was indeed amongst many, many other movies at the time, uh, Mick. You know, what, what actually brought you home, Aaron? Is uh, it, sorry, is it Aaron or Aaron? Aaron, Mick. Aaron. Well, I, I've been called a lot worse, trust okay. me. Um, Mick, I, I suppose, to be honest, um, I was always a bit of a home bird. And, you know, coming for Cove, you know, where else, there, where, where else is there better to be from, really? You know, and I just think it was always great to be away in the States, but with the view to coming home and... Uh, Eventually got back to Cork, so delighted to be back now. Back in Cork now the last number of years. Um, so, listen, really looking forward to the uh, to the reopening, you know. Okay, so before we look ahead, Aaron, what, what has the restrictions meant for your hotels? You were still able, and I imagine in the airport setting, you were still able to accommodate uh, tra- travellers of necessity, shall we say. Yeah, I, I suppose the last 15 months really has been, uh, you know, roller coaster ride, Mick, to be honest. Um, you know, we in the original sort of lockdown, you we had to close fully for a number of months. But we then took the decision to sort of keep our own hotels. We have three hotels um, open for essential workers and obviously there was various categories and then compassionate grounds as well because where we would have seen uh, business as well was people you know who had to drop loved ones to the hospital and unfortunately weren't able to stay um, with them so would have had to been close by so there, were, there was a couple of different sort of areas that, that were, were were exceptions um, but primarily it was it was it was for sort of frontline workers um, and then people just who had who had to travel, so that w- that was your that was your primary focus over the last couple of months. Um, so it's great great to be back. Today is the first day that we can actually welcome back leisure guests. Okay, so in in essence, then your bars and restaurants never really fully closed. Oh, did your bars your bars and restaurants. So what you would have had is you would have been able to sort of look after essential essential services. Mm-hmm. But again, what you were talking about, Mick, to be honest, is you were probably running at occupancies of maybe two or three percent. Yeah, you know, so and you a skeleton were, staff. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like to be honest, with the government supports that have been put in place with the EWS, it allowed us probably keep an awful lot more people employed and at the table than the actual business would have allowed us. So it's been, it's been a good balance, and uh, you know, I'd, I'd have to sort of applaud the government for their supports and even the announcements yesterday have been very positive and will help the industry. You know, again, it's about our people. It's about, you know, keeping our wonderful teams in our magic industry, you know, at the table. And we've managed to do that. Um, and I suppose now we can kick on and start doing what we do best, which is helping people create memories again, you know, and that's what we really, really want to, because over the last couple of weeks, it's been, or last couple of months, it's, you know, it's been essential workers, people in, you know, that are in keeping the head down, you know, just, just doing the work and leaving. Whereas now, you know, to be able to mark the missed occasions again, you know, to see proposals happening in the hotels again, you know, to see families coming back in the door, it's, it's magic. And the excitement today and the buzz it's just, it's very, very special, you know? Okay, I suppose easy to be complimentary of 
the government when you're opening ahead of the, the, the restaurants. That five days doesn't make much sense to me. I know we are trying to cover the rollout of the vaccine and, and, and leave that program uh, reach critical mass. But if you weren't opening until Monday and the, the restaurants were outside serving today, you may not have been so complimentary. Possibly, Mick, but, you know, I suppose we have to, you know, we're, we're you know, we, we are opening and if it was reversed, you know, I don't know what I, what I would say at this point, but to be honest, listen, it's a couple of days, we, we, we are in this together and there was a reasoning behind it for themselves to do it that way. Um, you know, from our, from our own point of view, like it's still it's still only opening up to, to outdoor dining. So, like we we can serve residents, you know, in five days' time, but we can't serve, you know, to to the general public yet. Same as the restaurants. So, listen, it's it's a phased reopening, and I think that was I, I think that was the plan behind it. You know. Yeah. So, what can any member of the public do today? Now, they can book any hotel in the country, and they can be treated like they would have been treated in a hotel. Uh, before the the restrictions came into place, can they sit at the bar, for instance? No, there, there, there's still there's still certain health and safety guidelines in in I suppose in line with the guidelines that were were released by Fort Ireland. Um, so certain things like social distancing still still applies. So there's you know there's a meter distancing. Uh, in in bars and restaurants, you can't sit at the bar counters. It's all table service, and there are still time constraints. So there's there's still there's still it's not 100 like before. Like we still have to remember that you know COVID is still there, um, and that's going to be one of our priorities, both for our team members and for the guest, is to adhere to those um, guidelines and the social distancing uh, restrictions that we that we will still have in place. Um, you know, you'll have to book, you, you know, it'd be very important, like particularly for booking of dinner in restaurants, um, sorry, in, in hotels, you know, over the next couple of weeks until everything opens up in July, you know, every guest that stays in a hotel pr- primarily will be having dinner. So it'd be important to make sure that you've got your dinner booked and timing. So it's, it's not 100 percent, but it's getting there. And I think for the 15 months that we've had, Mick, to be honest, you know, we're looking for the we're looking for the positives. We're mm-hmm. looking. This is moving the right direction, and you know, hopefully, July when everybody's open, you know, more people have been vaccinated. It's getting more and more. But I think from where we've been, um, you know, when you see the hotels closing, you see over two hundred of your team gone. You know, for for a period, you know, you look at those dark days and you you, you really celebrate these wins. And I think that's that's the folks that we have. You know, it's about being po- you know being positive being focused and really sort of wanting to sort of, you know, make that guest experience coming back, you know, better than it ever was, you know, even if there are restrictions. Yeah, the Trigon Group under your control, under your expert control, Aaron, are the Cork International Hotel, the Cork Airport Hotel. So you've got both hotels on the airport campus and, of course, the world-famous Metropole Hotel on uh, McCurtain Street. And I know you can only really comment on, on, you know, what's under your control. But in the industry in general, could you make maybe a general comment on how hard has it been to reattract the same or quality or the same team uh, in every discipline back to your work? All of these people have been possibly on wage subsidy schemes or even on the PUP. Uh, has it been difficult to restaff? Oh, it, it has, Mick. And, and to be honest, we, we've been lucky, you know, throughout, throughout the pandemic, um, we we did a lot with, with, with our teams, you know, whether they were furloughed, whether they were, you know, whether they were on partial payments, whatever, you know, we, we would have done regular wellness calls with them. We would have done sort of a family support hub where we would have done a lot of activities. Um, we would, there, was, there was quite a bit we did throughout that period with our teams 
to keep people at the table, to keep engaged. We've also looked at other areas where our charity of choice this year in, in the Cope Foundation, we've worked very closely with Ability at Work, um, you know, to bring in, you know, I, I, I suppose, you know, diverse and, and, and inclusivity in, 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 into our hotels, even more so. Um, and we launched this weekend a fantastic uh, wall on the side of the Metropole called the Hands of Hope, which was launched by our Lord Mayor and, and our Taoiseach. Um, so I, I suppose what we've, what we've had to do is look at, look at, you know, areas where, you know, maybe in the past, um, we, we wouldn't have just, just because we had, we had resources. But having said that, the biggest challenge we'll face out of all this is there, there has been a lot of people left the industry because unfortunately we were the first, first to go as an industry and we, we were pretty much the last to come back in terms of recovery. So we did see quite uh, a loss to the industry of talent, of people, but Again, you know, we've, we've, we've got to take that on the chin and sort of say, right, what do we do? We can sort of sit and feel sorry for ourselves or we can drive on. And throughout this, what most hotels, if not all hotels did, was continue to train, to upskill, to really try and keep people at the table. We have lost some. And yes, there will, there will be certain challenges. But I do think that the vast majority kept a really, really strong core of people. And it's about, it's about rebuilding that now, mm. you know. Okay, um, you probably want to jump to the defence of your industry here. I'm going to ask a question that I, I know I've experienced in pricing around. Uh, are hotels in Ireland in general about to are already taking advantage of the probable desire for people on safety grounds to stay home this year and vacation at home on the basis that there's going to be a mass exodus this year. Is there price gouging going on? Um, listen, Nick, I, what, I would, what I would always say when I'm, when I'm asked that question is, listen, if you look around, there's great value. Um, if, but if you look at that real tourism hotspots, that are always going to fill first, that are always going to sort of, you know, be, be, be expensive, you know, during peak periods. Um, that's, you know, that's there. But like, you look around, and I, I was doing a search yesterday, and, you know, I was looking at hotels all around the country. And even in Cork, you know, we're very lucky in Cork, city and county, because we have so much, you know, we have both. Like, if you're staying in the county, you can go into the city. If you're staying in the city, you can go to the county. And through that brand of Pure Cork, we're very lucky. But there's great value out there. There really is. Because, again, occupancies at the moment for the summer, say, if you look at, say, Cork and the, the urban surrounds, um, you're looking at probably places are running at 30, 40% occupancy. So, listen, you, you, may, you may always have one or two that may, you know, may, may take the opportunity, but I think it's very hard and very unfair to, to tarnish an entire industry. Mm-hmm. Like if, I, if, I look at, if I look at, if you take the Cork International, for instance, we have an amazing family package there, three nights. In, uh, that includes, for a family of four, you know, includes 12 breakfasts, uh, you know, uh, family pass to photo, amongst other things, a movie night, all that. You know, for less than four hundred euros, you know that's immense value, and that, that's not just us. There's great value out there, but I think you have to be realistic in, in what you expect. Like, okay. if you look to go high end, five star in a hotspot, it, it's going to cost you, but it's going to cost you any any year, not yeah. just this year. You know. And is there midweek uh, good value availability around the place? Do you think? Oh, there would be. There would be. And listen, I'd always encourage people pick up the phone, call the hotels direct, and you know, speak to the people in reservations. And, you know, they, they, they'll, they'll always do something for you. And, you know, it, it personalizes that experience. And listen, definitely midweek, you know, at, at this moment, uh, 
midweek committees aren't the strongest. So again, there'll, there'll always be value out there, you know. Okay, and I suppose this question has to be asked. Uh, are you aware of any bunch of lads that are booking hotels just so they can sit down and have a cold, frothy one? <laughs> um, not that I've not that I've come across, Mick. Uh, to be honest, listen, we we've seen people now even for this weekend, like bookings are coming still coming in for this weekend. Even though I, I see a lot of places are reporting almost being full this weekend, but I think what you'll see is a number and a lot of hotels might just cap it a little bit this weekend because it's the first weekend back. You know. Teams are nervous. Customers are going to be nervous. And that's one thing I, I would ask people as well is just, just be, be a little bit patient. You know, for, for, for most places, it's 15 months since they've really been sort of, sort of at their best, you know, operating you know, at, 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 at the levels that they had been before. But, you know, Mick, I, uh, I haven't seen that. Okay. Well, I guess you're going to have a busy couple of weeks ahead of you, Aaron, with the, uh, the three hotels uh, you know, you're probably checking in on all of them. I know you probably have management structures in place and all that, but it's going to be a very busy time for you now. No more time off for the summer. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. We're, we're blessed. We've great teams. We've great people. You know, it's across the industry, but, you know, speaking for our own, I, we are very, very lucky. Um, you know, and like the greatest buzz I'm going to get this week is walking around the hotels, you know, seeing, seeing people back for the first time that we haven't seen in a while seeing the faces, being on the floor, seeing the guests checking. It's, 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 you know what, it, it doesn't feel like a job, you know. Mm-hmm. We're, we're blessed in this industry, you know. Well, you're spinning up operations, you're getting back up to speed. We wish you all the very best of that with the Trigon Group. Uh, and can I just say on a personal note, uh, the best Caesar salad I ever had was in the Airport International Hotel. And I venture that may have come a long way across the Atlantic from the Waldorf Astoria, that technique. Uh, no, Mick, I would have to give full credit to our, our team of chefs up there. You know, they, they, they drive that on themselves. I'm, I'm, I'm not allowed near any of that, you know. <laughs> All right, well done. Aaron Mansworth, uh, Cove native and uh, the uh, head of the Trigon Group, management-wise, the uh, Cork International Airport Hotel, the Cork Airport Hotel and the Metropole. All the very best in your return to operations. Thanks, Aaron. Thanks, Mick. Take care. Thanks. Bye-bye. We're going to a Vienna Woods Hotel in a moment to speak to Michael Magner, who's the owner there. The ne- Talk to Neil Printerville now. 1851-04106. Red FM. 23 minutes to 10, and Michael Magner is owner of the Vienna Woods Hotel. Thank you for holding, Michael. How are you? Good morning, Mick. I'm very well, thank you. Thanks uh, for having me on. Okay, I'm uh, excited to hear about the ongoing developments there. I've read a lot about it. I, I worked a, a, as a DJ one night in, in the old Vienna Woods Hotel in, in what is kind of the Bay Window area, right? Many, many years ago. Uh, and forgive me for saying, it was a kind of a dated hotel at that stage. Uh, it musty sort of smells and all that. Now, I'm talking about 25, 30 years ago. Uh, and right. of course, it, it's come under o- other ownership since then. I think John Gately was involved there for a while. And, uh, exactly. I, yeah, and, and, and I've been reading lately, there's massive expansion plans now and, and modernization going on. And, and t- tell me a little about what's going on there. Uh, yes, thanks, Mick. Uh, well, today is a good news story day. I think our, our Minister for Tourism put it well insofar as that we're cautiously optimistic about tourism and we have to look to the future. So in doing it, I suppose we've always been uh, proud of our property when we bought it back in 2006. And since then, we've been, I suppose, actively and quietly redeveloping the hotel and uh, good news continues. And during the pandemic, we saw the opportunity to maybe look forward to the future. Um, and yes, we, we have it's been well documented We've recently submitted planning application for further uh, 42 bedrooms and a spa facility at the hotel. So exciting times ahead for us. But I think today is a story more about uh, getting our businesses open and the hopes and opening that we won't have to close again. 
Okay, because in, in opening, of course, there's going to be a pent-up local demand and people will be booking uh, on staycations and things. But essentially, unless we get the skies open, um, you may continue to struggle a little. Yeah, that's a very good point. I mean, we're looking forward to the, the government's uh, reopening, I suppose, plan in terms of the announcements last week that international travel is due to recommence for the 19th of July. However, the concern is that, you know, just because aircraft can take the skies again and there are probably... While there'll still be restrictions, there's more accessibility. If you like, folks may just not want to travel internationally into Ireland just immediately. So we have to be cautious about doing that. And in, I suppose, opening our doors, we have to be mindful that this year is going to still be a challenging year. And we are so grateful for the, the Irish community supporting Irish businesses. But I think in the announcements the government made yesterday in, in announcing further supports for not just the hospitality, but all the sectors that have been adversely impacted by the pandemic, um, it's welcome news because it's, I suppose, an acknowledgement by government to say, well, you know what, uh, 2021 is still going to be a tough year and recovery probably in earnest won't start until uh, perhaps uh, Q2 or the start of, of April uh, of uh, 2022 when uh, I suppose St. Patrick's Day is the, the, the kickoff of the, the typical tourism season um, and Tourism Ireland who are responsible for, I suppose, promoting Ireland internationally and their chief executive Niall Gibbons recently commented that while there is appetite and Ireland is very high on international visitors' destinations uh, there is a concern just yet for those international travellers that they, they want to stay near their homes just in case further restrictions um, may be imposed. So with that in mind, I suppose we have to be conscious that the pandemic is still with us, coronavirus is still with us, and we have to work uh, and live alongside it and deal those cards that we're, we're dealt with. So in opening today, I think it's, it's clear that you know we're opening with the view that this is the last time uh, we have to reopen again. Because mm-hmm. remember, we've done this twice already since uh, March of, of last year. With, with, the, with the confidence of the rollout of the vaccination program to underpin the fact that this should be, um, you know, the, the next time you should be closing your doors and every pub in the country by then uh, should only have one more closed day this year. And that's December 25th. I completely agree with you and that's the one day of the year where I and my team get time to spend with our families uh, and it's an important occasion on anybody's calendar uh, in Ireland and, and across the globe so so that's, that, that you, you put the nail on the head and, and we have to stay open because our businesses have to be viable and that's the, our business model and, and how it's built on plus I suppose we have commitments to all those bookings that we have on our books as you probably well know you mentioned that you played a DJ you, you play DJ at the hotel we do a significant amount of weddings so we have have a commitment to all those couples that have booked their weddings with us for the remainder of 2021 and 2022 is looking very positive and there's a high degree of inquiries as well for that period of time so we have to be in business in order to, to, to support those bookings that are coming in. So are you able to take bookings now for instance looking far ahead 21, 22 uh, for 200, um, 250, 300 guests um, on the well, basis that things will be fine by then? Uh, well, we're taking bookings on that basis, but I suppose like everything else, it comes with a health warning insofar as to say that, you know, we're happy to take your booking based on the numbers that you'd like to have at your event or your wedding on the day when it occurs. Uh, but I suppose what will prevail at that time is what restrictions will be in place. But I think you've put it very well insofar as that the key to our exit from the pandemic is the vaccine, which is just one in an armory of defences. Uh, you know, I, I heard Aaron mentioned there earlier on with you, I mean, 
in terms that we still have to maintain social distancing and good etiquette in terms of around uh, hand uh, washing and the sanitization and servicing of our public areas in our hotels as well to keep the, the disease at, 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 at a low uh, transmissible base. But um, as we move forward, there's no doubt about it, we're seeing the international evidence um, in countries like Israel, um, you know, the United Kingdom, and um, that they're starting to open up society. And while there are new variants, variants we, we, we branded under the, the, the uh, Greek alphabet now, um, they, they, it's what's clear, I think, from research is that those um, uh, variants now, uh, the vaccines will, will do the job and uh, mm. fight them. So that's all very positive. So it's just about taking it cautiously. I suppose the one thing that we can be definitive about saying uh, right now at this time, and I think everybody in business would say we can no longer, what's certain is we can no longer be certain I think that's the way of putting it, you know. Fair enough. Do you think the pandemic uh, causing the hospitality industry necessarily to be hamstrung by government, uh, you know, for public safety reasons, has brought the government to the realisation, something I've been saying for years, that if your hotel is full, Michael, the, the local greengrocer is probably happier than he would be. The local milkman is probably happier than he would be. The local butcher, the local uh, workers are all happy. Uh, but every successive government to date uh, and uh, this one included, seems to treat tourism as an import industry, that we import tourists, whereas it's actually an export industry because we import foreign capital and we export memories. Yeah, that's a really good point. I think what's, you know, Ireland is an open economy. We're an island nation. We rely so heavily on international foreign direct investment. But what's clear is from an indigenous perspective, what many of your listeners might not be aware of is that tourism is the single biggest indigenous industry in this country after agriculture. And we've continuously campaigned as an industry through our Hotels Federation and other lobbying groups that government, um, you know, that, that agriculture, and I'm not complaining here, but I'm saying this is a fact, that, you know, agriculture get a dedicated ministerial portfolio, but our Minister for Tourism has major uh, other uh, in sections of, of, of government interest under her portfolio, and we've actively and always called for a dedicated Minister for Tourism because of all the jobs we imply, the money that has been generated in the economy, it's billions of euro annually pre-pandemic, and those jobs that are created, not just directly in the hospitality and tourism industry, but as you point out, the indirect jobs that are subsequently linked to the industry. So, for example, you have, you know, a couple that might travel in from North America. They spend two weeks in Ireland. And during that time, yes, they stay in hotels and they eat in restaurants. But what if they need to visit a pharmacy or they may visit a, a, a local a draper store for some, you know, um, I, I suppose artisan products and stuff like that. So there's so many industries that are indirect, indirectly benefiting from visitors and tourism in this country. It's absolutely incredible. Um, so it's key in terms of continuing to voice, I suppose, you know, that, that ask from government to provide a, min, a dedicated minister for tourism down the line. Uh, that's what our industry needs. We need that focus on our industry. And when you look at other countries internationally, hospitality and tourism is treated very, very seriously. And while I'm not saying government haven't treated it seriously, I suppose the, the, the ask is we need to have our own dedicated minister for tourism. Yeah, it's just, it's just a reset of the mindset around tourism where, where you know, whereas the big multinationals are, are benefiting from very low corporation tax, this essentially export industry is, is being taxed out of existence by high VAT rates. So long may the 9% continue. 
Absolutely. And, uh, you know, again, welcome news yesterday from the government that the, the 9% VAT rate is uh, uh, committed until September of 2022. But the, the reality is that for, for businesses like mine and so many other businesses that we contract now for business into 2022 and beyond, and in doing that contracting business, which is basically engaging with overseas companies to bring international visitors into our, uh, into our hotels, into the country, they're looking for our prices now. And one of the questions they ask is that, is your price inclusive of that? And the answer we try to say is, we, well, yes or no, we don't know the answer, but mm-hmm. we can kind of go out and definitively say, well, the VAT rate is now 9%, but if that contractor then, you know, in, it's, it's curing business for beyond 2022 or three, and the VAT rate hikes back up to its 13.5%, we're faced or they're faced with no option to either revaluate their, their price and pass it on to the international visitor or, or take the hit. The hit. Yeah. yeah, which is very difficult yeah. to do. Uh, and it, it could businesses, you know, at the end of the day, we're all in business to make a living. Um, and if you're not making profit, there's only one outcome if you're not making a profit or even uh, the best case scenario, breaking even, is you're going to go out of business. And that's the last thing we want as a sector because there's so many people's livelihoods and jobs connected to it. And as I mentioned, that indirect piece of business as well uh, that, uh, that have a link to our sector. Okay. Michael, I, I was able to ask Aaron, and there's no point going over it twice, uh, about the specifics and his team and the... Uh, the amount of staff retention and all that kind of thing. Uh, so to give you an equal opportunity, uh, the uh, Vienna Woods has always been a kind of an oasis venue. It's been a far from the madding crowd place. Uh, it's not a city centre bustling hotel. Uh, it's, it's a place you can find some peace. So what have you got to offer for the tourists this year? Yeah, well, uh, thanks for, for, for asking me, Mick. I appreciate that. So we have a beautiful country house hotel located on 24 uh, private acres. Uh, we have our glass room, our new addition that we brought to the hotel in August of last year. We have outdoor seating for over 50 guests outdoors. Uh, we have beautiful refurbished guest rooms and we have eight holiday homes as well on the grounds of the hotel. I have a wonderful team that I'm so proud of. I think Aaron touched on it. I mean, at the end of the day, what I've just mentioned there, just about bricks and mortar, it's the team that make a hotel or any business it's, it's, it's they're the heartbeat of the hotel and they're what create the experiences for our visitors the expectation is for a visitor when they rock into a hotel that the guest room will have a flat screen TV it will have the, the, the bath and shower the ensuite and so forth comfortable bed but what sets a hotel apart or any business apart not just it's not just hospitality it's all about the people and it's the people that work as part of our team we were very fortunate that we had 100 people working with us um, in, in in our hotel prior to March of, of 2000 and uh, of 2020 and we are steadily getting back hopefully to that level again and the reason we're able to do it is because of the continuation of government support. The, the EWSS is a lifeblood connecting that relationship between the employer and, and people working with the employer and that's really really key to maintaining jobs within the sector because if somebody rocks into the hotel um, and you, they have a bad experience because we've identified somebody to hire to fill a position but they don't have that skill well then that can be a challenge mm-hmm. for the customer experience and I heard it actually in another radio clip this morning whereby a hotelier said have patience with us remember uh, you know we're reopening this time after nearly a six month period of either restrictions and uh, you know essential workers only so this is a new phase again and we're a little bit like the, the rabbit in the headlights you know I think for the next couple of days and our teams will be a little bit nervous there's no doubt about it so for our customers visiting um, and I'm sure they do they understand for the most paid cases, you know, give our teams the support.
sport, help them along to make their jobs a better experience as we move forward. And and that's all we ask. And if we if you can do that for us, we'll by God give you a wonderful experience. Fantastic, you Michael. Know? Yeah, you, you mentioned uh, the hotel sector being the heartbeat of Irish tourism, and it's it's heartening. Uh, pardon the pun to, to feel the pulse of that heartbeat coming into play again uh, as you guys reopen wish you all the very best uh, to you, you and hotels everywhere across Cork thank you Michael thank Magner you. from the Vienna Woods Hotel this is the Neil Prenderville show tweet the show at Neil Red FM 104 to 106 Red FM and you can check out in today's edition of the Echo the uh, fantastic initiative being undertaken by Musgrave Marketplace we're just a little part of it because they're spending about 650,000 euro trying to invigorate the uh, industry and encourage end customers to support the reopening and the rebuilding of Irish hospitality and of course Musgrave Marketplace are central uh, and centric suppliers to uh, that industry right across the island they have 680 Irish suppliers and are proud to support the reopening of the hospitality industry and of course have a 145 year heritage and they believe in supporting other family businesses and jobs in the local economy. So it's a win-win situation uh, what they are doing. The Maritime Hotel in Bantry uh, is our uh, chosen prize today. It's a 150 euro voucher courtesy of Musgrave Marketplace and we have uh, the theme tunes for you to identify. We're not going to open the lines until a few minutes before 12 midday, but we want to give you a few chances, to be fair, uh, to hear the theme tunes for today for the Musgrave Marketplace giveaway. Oh, that's a fairly easy one. Two of them are very easy anyway. Let's give you another listen here. And as I say, we'll open the lines for Musgrave Marketplace very close to 12 midday, so don't call us just now. Uh, Musgrave Marketplace, and we have, of course, at the end of the week, one of our daily winners will win a 500 euro voucher for the Brehan Hotel, the beautiful Brehan Hotel in Killarney. Today, it's the Maritime Hotel in Bantry. Tomorrow, once again, our second one this week from Sutton's Bar and Bistro at the Rochestown Park Hotel. And Raman uh, will give us a 150 euro voucher on Friday, as well, of course, as our daily winners having a chance to win the 500 euro voucher for the Brehan Hotel. Now, here is a very serious email, kind of knocked me for six, this one. Hi Mick, I am writing this as I am totally lost at the current point in time. I have found my husband has been cheating on me with other men. The other day he left his computer open and I needed to check my online banking. He had popped out to use the toilet. By chance, I opened a link to a site called Fab Guys and saw all sorts of messages from men he had been meeting. In one message, they were asking him to do all sorts of things that I'd never known about. We've been married 20 years. We have no children. Our intimate life was never amazing, but always just did make do. I understood that he had a, a by side, B-I, by side, and that he wanted to explore that. But he promised me he would never cheat and to say I am devastated would be an understatement. I found this email very hard to type as I try to go on. And there is more. There's a forum on this site and the men discuss swapping their wives' underwear as well as wearing it. After researching on the internet, many other women have found their husbands have been up to the same thing as well. I have confronted him about it and he has agreed to leave the house and move back to his mother's. But there are other discussions on there about men having unprotected sex with other men, boasting about cheating as well. Some of the other men pull the men up on it over their cheating, but get shouted down. Uh, I will now need an STI test. I do apologise, but I am lost completely. 
and please obviously keep my name uh, off the air and keep my anonymity. Isn't that a shocking email? It's coming up on three minutes to ten o'clock. We have news on the way uh, in, from the Red FM newsroom in three minutes' time. Hey, it's Kira. Tune in to Saturday Breakfast on Red FM from 7am and wake up your weekend with music, chats and all that's happening in Cork. That's Saturday Breakfast on Red FM with me, Kira Revens. You're listening to the Emerald Award winning music station of the year, Cork's Red FM. And a very good morning to you. This is Mick Mulcahy. Let me get to some texts because uh, they're getting away from me. There's so many of them coming in. Uh, on the Be Kind issue yesterday, we wrote we read a lovely letter about a bus driver for Cork Connect from Skibbereen called Finbar. Oh, isn't that so nice to hear about that driver, Finbar? Look what he has done for that woman. He must be such a lovely, kind person. And it costs you nothing to be kind. It will all come back to Finbar one day, says Marie from Clan. On the licensing issue we touched yesterday, I was waiting a long time for my UK licence and had no joy. I wrote to the Minister for Transport and my UK licence was issued within five days. A month later, I emailed on behalf of my wife's licence and it was sorted. Tell him to reapply for his Hungarian licence. Um, Mick, how are, this is a different topic, how are asylum seekers able to get uh, driving licences and buy a car, uh, get insurance and only be in the country for weeks? And on passports, Mick, it's not just driving licences, Passport applications and renewals is another major issue. I read over the weekend that there is a backlog of 90,000 applications. I read the same thing, Sean. 90,000 is where it's at. That's Sean and Cove. On the driving test, I make regarding the gentleman with a Singapore license. He can drive in Ireland with the license for a year. And during that time, he can do his theory test and apply to the NDLS for reduced essential driver training. That's six lessons instead of 12. And then do the practical test. I don't see the problem. Uh, maybe no harm to read that again in case uh, that lady is listening and her husband with the Singapore license. He can drive in Ireland apparently with the license for a year and during that time he can do his theory test and apply for the NDLS uh, with reduced essential driver training. Six lessons instead of 12 and then do the practical test. I don't see the problem. Singapore is a former UK colony, says another texter. That man should change his Singapore license for a Northern Ireland license and then change the Northern Ireland license to an Irish one. There you go. Solution, says Paddy. Uh, and PCR tests, somebody told me PCR tests are up to 89 euros. I think they're up to about 150 euros. Uh, but there you go. Now, in the Gatso van we mentioned yesterday, I received a fine in 2020, which was deemed to be a wrong area from Gatso van. And I received a full refund, although I didn't get it until 2021. Another texture says there are Gatso vans parking in loading bays in Grattan Street and outside Ford's funeral home at night time. Is this okay? And on the subject of P, P.ie, check out P, P-E-E, dot I-E. It lists all available toilets on a Google map and you can submit new ones too. The lack of uh, public toilet facilities with pubs and restaurants closed in the city centre is nothing short of abominable uh, and something we'll be uh, touching on a little more, uh, if not today, certainly in the near, very near future on the programme. Now, on PUP and tax, good morning, Mick. Is there any chance you could find out the tax situation when returning to work after receiving the PUP payment? I'm due to return to work and I've heard horror stories of people on normal wages being taxed 40%. Your help would be great, thanks. Uh, taxation of PUP, we did some research on this. Uh, the great team here and taxation of PUP received in 2021 is covered as follows. The DSP, the Department of Social Protection, informs revenue on a weekly basis of the amount of taxable PUP paid to each recipient. Then this is what happens. 
any tax due is collected by reducing the person's tax credits and rate band. To do this, revenue annualizes the weekly amount of PUP. This is calculated by multiplying the weekly amount by 52. The annual tax credits and rate band are reduced by this amount. The adjusted tax credits and rate band are applied on a week one basis. So I assume that's the very day and the week you go back to work. The revisions are shown on the Employee's Tax Credit Certificate, TCC, and a revised Revenue Payroll Notification, or PN, is made available to their employer. Uh, it's all red tape, isn't it? In most cases, there will be no additional tax liability at the end of 2021. So just in case you uh, are worried you're about to be screwed for all of the tax in one go, it doesn't seem to be the case. So look for your TCC your tax credit certificate and maybe discuss with the payroll section of your uh, in your employer uh, to look for the revised revenue payroll notification or PN which will be made available to your employer. Now a very happy birthday to a very special lady it's uh, her birthday today Julie Dennehy uh, aka Jet Set Jules Jet Set Jules who's celebrating her birthday today. Uh, she's stuck in the sand pit for now in the United Arab Emirates, but can't wait to get home to Cork in August. Happy birthday to you, Julie, regular listener to the program uh, on the podcast. And uh, we wish you every success and every uh, celebration on this special day for you. Now, the letter we read before 10 o'clock uh, on uh, the lady who found her husband was cheating on her with other men has caused uh, quite an amount of text to come in to the program. Uh, hi, Mick, on that lady's email about the married man messaging other men for sex, Grinder, the gay hookup app, is full of so-called straight men looking for sex with younger guys. They are everywhere on the app. This is nothing new, but it's pretty sad in the way they're living a lie and hurting their own families. Uh, I can't come on air, thanks to that woman who discovered her husband is gay. I was in the same position, married for over 25 years, knew something was wrong, but wasn't sure what, but then got proof. What a devastating place to be. But he moved out, I asked him to go. Now, over 11 years down the road, I'm very happy. There's no fixing this, much as you might want a solution. Mind your own mental health. He won't stop what he's doing. Uh, do if you uh, do if you don't want to be part of that. Uh, move on. I know it's scary, but it's worth it. Move on and be strong. Put it on the block. Consign it to history, and move on. Hey Mick, I'm a gay guy, and I'm on Fab Guys. There is nothing new with married men on the website and asking for all different sexual activities. I've been with a few married men from the website. Thanks. So, uh, if you are. Uh, knowledgeable about that situation, want to comment on that situation, maybe a little shy to come on air about that situation, uh, and you'd like to email us, then please do. The uh, show's regular email address is neil at redfm.ie neil at redfm.ie Now, we're going to go to the journey from hell, and uh, oh, sorry, before we do, uh, let's go to a happier place and wish Ross O'Connor from Kinsale a very happy birthday, okay? Happy birthday, Ross, have a good one, man. Uh, and now we'll go to line six and to Tony Horgan. Hi, Tony, good morning. Morning. Hello, you have a journey from hell. I have, yes. Okay, please tell us about it. Well, basically, I was just, am I allowed to mention the fairy's name first, Mick? Well, we have a response from them, so yes, work away. All brilliant stuff altogether. Um, basically, um, I went from Rosslare to Bilbao last uh, Wednesday, a 28-hour trip into um, northern Spain to collect the canopy for my pub and some garden furniture. Uh, it's a canopy that's been over there for the last 18 months, but I couldn't get it 
transported back because the pandemic, so I had to go over there and get it myself. Okay. And basically, uh, everything was going grand. Uh, boring trip, but <laughs> you can't do anything as much at sea to tell you the truth. Is that is that uh, one of the freight the freighter trips? Is it not? Not uh, the no, most comfortable. It's a passenger ferry. Okay. Right. Yeah. So I went over there in my van, and basically on the Thursday at three o'clock when we were par- we were planning to depart. Um, the the holding bay where the, the the Arctics and the vans were parked up in cars. I was uh, cornered by a steward or a purser or whatever you want to call him, mm-hmm. and told me that I was smoking in my cabin. And I said I was not smoking in the cabin. And he says, "Yes, you were." He says, "I was not smoking in the cabin." He said, "There's a six hundred and fifty euro fine, and we'll be take you'll be charged that will be taken off your credit card." And I said, you can't do that, I said. I said, and why not? I said, under the new GDPR rules, you can't touch my credit card. You're supposed to not be retaining my information. So he said, don't you worry, we'll be getting it. No, I explained to him at the time. I said, I'd have my lunch, I'd have my breakfast, I'd have my dinner there. I'd go down to the deck with a cup of coffee, have a couple of cigarettes there and use my cigarette or uh, my coffee cup as basically an ashtray. Rather than stub it out on the deck. Robert, the place was destroyed with cigarettes. The place was destroyed with cigarettes. So I brought a, there was no bin on the deck to throw it in there, so I brought it back to the, my cabin to throw it into um, a bin back there. There was no bin in the cabin. I went to flush it down the toilet, and there was a big sign behind the toilet, don't use household refuse here because it blocks the system. Uh-huh. So I kept it on the bedside locker, and I done the same with another two or three each time I went down for lunch or dinner. So I had three, basically, ashtrays, um, on my bedside locker with nowhere to put them and that's exactly what happened so I just drove and I spent 8 hours down to drove 8 hours down to Cabaret in Cabaret near Alicante uh, Cabaret in Alicante yeah yeah okay and a couple of good Irish pubs down there as well there is and a good friend only for the likes of uh, Niall Burns and Cora and their beautiful daughter, uh, Nicole, I wouldn't, in Rearns Bar and Cabaret, I wouldn't have gotten back to, to this country. Yeah, well, I've, I've got a buddy with the bar there, sleeping them on. Greg Daly, you might have met him as well. Yes, yes, I was there as well. I was there for a social drink uh, the one night that I was able to stay there. Mm-hmm. But um, I got an email on Friday morning then saying that I was barred from Brittany Ferry for five years and that my trip to... Rosslayer to, or sorry, Bilbo to Rosslayer was cancelled. Okay, but are, are, are they able to do that? Whatever about taking the 650? I don't know. I don't know. I got an automatic response saying, we'll be back in contact with you with 10 days. I text, I emailed them back. I said, 10 days is not good enough. I'm supposed to be going back on Sunday. So they got back to me again then straight away to say that we are upholding our end. You're barred from Brittany Ferries for five years. And your trip to, from Bilbao to Rosslare has been cancelled. We will refund your money. Mm-hmm. This left me in no man's land. But if if you did as you said you did, um, you th- there must have been no other evidence of smoking in the cabin, like vis-a-vis a terrible smell, uh, other well, than yes, the, yes, uh, other than the bus. Smo- they have all smoking alarms, like yeah, they have all smoking alarms. You know. Okay. And. From that then, uh, I, because of Niall and Cora, uh, they were put on to a friend by the name of Con. He does freight over and back. He was able to get me on a Stena line, which was absolutely brilliant. 
on the way out of Sherbrooke. So that meant I had to do 19 hours of driving to make that ferry. That's a long so way to go to Sherbrooke. Spain to France. It is, yeah, it is. It's, it's, I think it's nearly 1,600 kilometres, I think, something wow. like that. So basically, I left at 6 o'clock on Saturday morning. I'd gone into La Rochelle at about 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock on Saturday night. With one coffee break in between. Couldn't book in anywhere because France isn't shut down still. Um, didn't even have a bottle of water. Didn't have a toilet. Nothing whatsoever. And I had to sleep on the side of the road inside in the van. Freezing, I was. Absolutely freezing. So I got about four hours sleep, five hours sleep that night. Headed off at six o'clock the, the following morning for another five hour, six hour trip up to Cherbourg. Got there, got in the ferry up. They were, they were more than helpful and back home. And still to this day, um, Brittany Ferries have no guilt whatsoever what they did to me. And I didn't do anything wrong. Okay, so when you woke on Friday morning, you got an email to say you were barred from travelling on Brittany Ferries for five years. Yeah. Your trip to Mumbai to was cancelled and you, they would not allow you on the ferry. Yeah. So did you try to explain the situation to them after the fact? I, and I know you did to the steward. Yeah, I explained the situation, right, to the steward, right? I explained the situation to a girl, I think her name was Crab, in um, Plymouth, right? And I got an email back to say, we're standing over our decision. Okay, pretty much the same email here, which I will read out. So you yeah. are now forced to stay in uh, the side of the road. France being shut yeah. down. You couldn't book a hotel. You're 55 years of age. Uh, you had no toilet, no water, no blankets. Sleep in the van. None whatsoever. All None over whether you did or didn't smoke in your cabin. I didn't smoke in the cabin. I know you, I know you say you didn't, yeah. Uh, but yeah. Th- th- that's, that's the issue. They're, they're claiming you yeah. did. Uh, but I wonder, can they prove that you did? They can't prove I did. And they can't prove I didn't. That's the thing about it. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't mind it. Like, I was talking to two of their staff. And as we were coming into Bilbao, I had my, I was just after a cup of coffee. And I was talking to one of their members of staff going back to my room, a lovely Eastern European lady, blonde hair and ponytail. And all she was thinking about, as I was holding my Astria, right, going back to the cabin, all I was thinking about, she was saying to me, she said, I'm going to the beach in the afternoon because the weather is beautiful. It was 29 degrees coming into Balboa. Wow. You know, and then I met another lady then uh, on the sixth deck. And she was, I think she was working in the kitchen. She was out for a cigarette as well. And I was out there holding my cup as well. You know, and she was using, she was using the cup, the same as me. So... In essence, what, what you did was the right thing. You would have been better off probably to stub your cigarette or leave it on the deck or indeed to leave the coffee cup with the cigarettes in it on the deck and go back yeah. to your room and never bring evidence of smoking uh, wherever you smoke them <laughs> back yeah, to your I room. Think it would come to so you, 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 were, you were doing the good thing. You were being more hygienic than most others. I, like, I'll be quite honest, most of the lads know that we're travelling. It's only all truckers now at the moment, right? It's only all truckers. And most of these long-distance truckers smoke. So you could see about two dozen lads out in the deck um, uh, driving artists and everything. And they're all smoking away. And most of them were Eastern European lads. And uh, I didn't understand one thing, what they were saying. But it's just a case of out on the deck. It seems to be a forced habit. Yeah, but they, they may have un- understood one thing, Tony, that you were yet to understand. And that's don't bring any evidence of smoking back to your room. 
<laughs> hindsight is a great thing. I like, know, yeah. If I was guilty of something, I, I, you know, I'd try to hide it. You know? Yeah, let me read Brittany's, uh, Brittany Ferry's response to you. Brittany Ferries has a strict no smoking, smoking policy on its ships in relation to cabins and all inside areas, including the vehicle garage. The only exception yeah. to this policy is authorised areas on external decks. This is yeah. well publicised on board. There was evidence that Mr. Horgan had been smoking in his cabin and he was witnessed smoking on the car deck by a member of the crew. That f- is true. Yeah, we have followed yeah. our policies correctly. We take any breach of our no smoking policy very seriously as it has a safety issue, or, or as it yeah. is a safety issue. Mr. Horgan has been advised of our decision, which is binding. On a point of correction, he has not been fined. No monies have been taken from his credit card. He won't be permitted to travel aboard Brittany Ferry ships for five years. He will be refunded for his unused return leg Bilbao Rosslair. Mm-hmm. No, I was, I, I must admit, I was smoking down in the hole, right? No, I was sitting in the cat. I was sitting in my van with the windows up, just turning the music, listening to music, waiting to turn on the ignition, and head off. Right? No, the, the hole is the size of two football pitches. Right? With a big, big gaping gate at the end of it. Okay. So I'm close. I'm close to the front. I was probably only the second car, second vehicle off the the ferry. Yeah. To be fair to Brittany Ferries now, and and if if you read carefully what what and go over again carefully what they're saying. Um, yeah. they're not really accusing you of smoking in your room, but you have been witness smoking on the car deck. That's against yes, policy. And I, I acknowledge that, right? But in hindsight, going back on that now, right, I'm sitting there, right? And I see the trucks next to me. And all the lads, lads in the trucks, they're smoking away, right? And I said to myself, well, you can smoke here. So I laid up a sag, cigarette. I had one drag off the cigarette, a person comes up to me and accuses me of smoking. He says, oh, that's cigarette. I, I apologize profusely to him there and then. And I thought, I said, I thought this was loaded. I said, no. I said, what about the lads over here? It says, you're not allowed to smoke here. And what about the other no, guys in the trucks who were smoking? No, they didn't do anything to him. Like, the only reason I lit up a fag is because all the lads in the other trucks were smoking. Because I thought we were in an outside area. Like I said, it's about, I'd say, 60 feet high, the size of Two, uh, two football pitches. Wow. The big gaping end of it. And I'm, I'm at the front of the boat, like. Okay, you know? so maybe maybe smoking on the car deck, even though the, the the truckers were smoking, was strike number one. And then you gave them tacit evidence of further smoking, even though you weren't smoking in your room. Um, yeah. Leave, leaving the cigarette butts there, maybe gave them the impression that you were. And that's strike number two. And then they said, okay, we're yeah. going to enforce the policy. Do you yeah. think? Do you think they could have shown a little more humanity or a little more latitude to you? They could have been a small bit more understanding because I think I was kicked out. Right, the last time I was on a ferry was back in the eighties when I immigrated to England. That was the last time I was on a ferry, right? And they won't touch these truckers over there, right? Because they're sending truck after truck after truck from various companies. And it's a lot of money to him. Basically, at the moment, they don't give a tuppenny happy about the ordinary tourist. Or a fellow that doesn't use the service. Do you seriously think, no, like, it'll cost you about four grand, four and a half grand to send an Arctic over there? Right? Are they going to lose out on that on a, a, day, a daily basis, right, for trucks going in and out the country for the likes of me? They picked on me, and I was only following an example of medals, and that's why they didn't pick on the truckers. Okay, but you were smoking on the car deck. You apologized. You were doing it because oh, yeah, you were copying oh, yeah, others. Oh, this, you I, had a van. I, I, they I had a truck. Off the cigarette. 
I apologise profusely straight away. And then, and then um, the purser went into defence mode about charging me 650 quid. Okay, but um, wh- why the change then from charging a 650 to a kind of a five-year ban? Because they had no way of collecting it off me, that's why. Okay. Unless I voluntarily gave to them. So w- would, would you pay the 650 and have no ban? I wouldn't have paid the 650 because I wasn't breaking the law until it was pointed out to me. Mm-hmm. You know, like if, like we put it this way, right? If you see someone jumping off a, the, just jumping into a swimming pool or something like that, oh, you can swim here, you jump into the swimming pool. Like, I'm just using that as a bare example. Sure. But when I see the lads, like, I was under the illusion that you could have spoken out there because everybody else was smoking. Okay, so that was, a, that was a genuine mistake, and you apologised, you put it out. And uh, profusely I apologised. And then then the purser went into defence mode about the 650 quid when I told him the best of luck with that. I was even accused, first of all, they only accused me of smoking in the cabin, right? That was their first charge, right? Then when I explained to them that I wasn't smoking and the reason why there were cigarette butts in ashtrays, three ashtrays inside there, right? They went on to anything that I abused um, a purser. Right? Would I have a recording of the conversation from my dashcam audio? Right? Okay. Which is you not abusing but apologising. Apologising profusely. And him getting into defensive mode about 650 quid. Right? Okay. And then him charging us in. And then he said to me that uh, 650 quid. And I knew they couldn't take 650 quid because they can't use my credit card details again. Okay. Because it's against the law to retain my information like that. Well, what I say is you've, you've probably went through more than 650 euro worth of discomfort and hassle and extra time and diesel and all that kind of thing, getting yourself I from spent, Spain, Spain to France to get four, back. I spent over 400 quid on diesel, right, to get there. I spent about 200 euros on tolls to get there, right? I spent the night at the side of the road, freezing cold, right? This company have no understanding whatsoever. When I realized I made an error, and that's what it was, it wasn't breaking the law. There's an error and there's breaking the law. When you're breaking the law, there's intent to break the law. I had no intent of breaking the law. But when you see a number of people next year and they're smoking away, right? Follow suit. Mm -hmm. And to tell you the truth, all the windows in the the, um, the van were um, uh, closed up. They were all closed up. So I had one drag off the fag. Your man comes down the left-hand side of the van, looks at the registration, asks me to roll down the window. He says, there's no smoking here. I apologise profusely to him, which you could hear on the audio. And uh, then he says, you're being sick, you're, you were smoking in your cabin. That was the charge first day. Yeah, and when we, they were we, losing that argument then concerning smoking in the cabin, after I explained this, right... They went on to another mm. charge. They were picking up charges so they could do this to me. couple of texts here, Tony. Uh, the, the man on the ferry, Tony, did one thing wrong. He left the evidence in a coffee cup in his cabin. And the other text says, Hi, Mick, those butts in the empty cups would stink the place anyway if he never smoked in the cabin, says Kay. Yeah. Uh, we got to leave it there, Tony, but um, I guess you won't be uh, having your holidays with that ferry company in France, no? You're, you're not the Tony Hogan <laughs> I, I wound up years ago about weights and measures, no? <laughs> Like I said, it's been 30 years on the ferry. I don't think I'd be going in there any time soon again. Did I wind you up before on a radio call, no? You did, you guess. <laughs> <laughs>
many, many years ago. This this would be a good one, wouldn't it? Hello, is, is that Tony Horgan? I'm calling from the ferry company. <laughs> that would have been a good one. Should have done that. Thanks, Tony. You, you know, so you just have to relieve really memories. No, there is a bad experience <laughs> when I was dealing with you back then. Not a bother. Uh, listen, uh, very, very quickly, you're opening on Monday for outside service then with your new canopy. We're opening on Monday for outdoor, outdoor dining and sociable drinking. Okay, so the canopy can be seen by one and all. The canopy that the came all the way from Spain all, to yeah. France and back on a different ferry. All and right, Tony. Very best of luck. Where's right, the pub, friend. by the way? It's in Glenville or? Uh, the Hog and Hound in Dunamore. Dunamore. The Hog and Hound. Yeah. Oh, it's like Ken Tobin drinks there, does he? He does, Used yeah. To, all right, man. Thanks a million. <laughs> all right, my friend. All the best. Tony Horgan, and uh, we're back in a moment on The Neil Prendeville Show, just turning 10.30. The Neil Prendeville Show, on Twitter, at Neil Red FM. And a very good morning. This is Mick Mulcahy, and for two weeks for Neil Prendeville's Holliers. And I want to play a very special mention, or make a very special mention, for one of the sweetest married couples I've ever met in my life. Will you please play a request? Uh, and I am friendly with their children, John and Magella, for many, many years, although I haven't seen them in years. For Dan and Birdie O'Mahony from Bandon. They are, wait for it, 67 years married today. They're a lovely couple. Dan and Birdie, uh, best wishes to you both from John and Magella and all the extended family. 67 years of wedded bliss today. Uh, you must be like the king and queen of Bandon at this stage. A lovely couple, Dan and Birdie O'Mahony. And just a couple of mentions for people who deserve it. Uh, I was at home yesterday and I got a call from some friends from Carlo. They were heading uh, back to Carlo. They were near the tunnel and the car that they were in broke down. And uh, they said, look, it could be fuel uh, uh, or it could be battery. I don't know. Could you come and bring some fuel? So I brought a tenner's worth of fuel, went over, put the fuel in and it wasn't there. Now, at that stage, there was a lovely guy called Sean uh, from the uh, the company's Aegis Lagan, E-G-I-S Lagan. They are the kind of motorway and tunnel and ring road security people, I suppose. They have 27 cameras, I was told. And the cameras uh, are feeding into a station in Dublin. So the breakdown was spotted and uh, this van with Sean in it was uh, dispatched to put up the arrows out and the flashers and all that kind of thing. So I was in front of the van, the uh, broken down car in front of me. And uh, OK, we decided not to fuel, it must be the battery. So my thanks to uh, everyone in Mickey O's uh, in Glenmire. I know Mickey maybe 30 years ago and I haven't seen him in 30 years. So that was another friendship. Uh, he stayed open for me. Over we went, got a brand new battery, brought it back to the car. It wasn't the battery. Okay. So thanks to everyone in Mickey O's anywhere for staying open. Now we're really stuck. The car won't start. Side of the road. So we call a tow truck. And along comes a tow truck from Ken Ryan. And there's a lovely guy in that. And his name is Richard. And whereas many tow trucks would just simply put down the back of the truck, uh, pull the car up and head off into the distance after charging your card, um, this guy did not. He did uh, exactly the opposite. He said, look, let me see if I can fix the car for you because you've got a long way to go and you're going to be stranded without the car and looking for accommodation in Cork on the night before the hotel's open. You're not going to get anywhere. Uh, and so he did. He found the fault. It was a, a, a earth fault between the battery and the chassis or something like that. I'm not that technical. And he fixed it on the side of the road. So fair play to Ken Ryan uh, and to Richard and to all the gang who uh, assisted there. And if you saw um, a few cars and flashing lights uh, between 5 o'clock and maybe 7 o'clock uh, at uh, the Mahan side of the tunnel, heading for the tunnel uh, yesterday. that One of them would have been me, helping out and uh, doing my thing. But thanks to everyone involved there, uh, to Mickey O's in, uh, in Glenmire, to Ken Ryan and his uh, um, rescue company, I suppose, the uh, people that take the cars on the back of the trucks. And for the absolute uh, very nice way in which everything was sorted. And it gave a great impression of the place we live called Cork, uh, that these uh, two friends of mine were able to go on their way to Carlo 
not having had to get the car towed to a garage, not having to go through the expense of a mechanic and all that kind of thing. So hats off to everyone concerned there. Now, back to uh, the topics of the day. Married men on uh, gay dating sites. Uh, This uh, email just came in. Mick, I just heard you read that email from that woman who's found her husband cheating on her with a man. I am contacting you as I'm very worried about my son. He's in his early 20s and he only came out officially as gay about three years ago. I was so happy he finally accepted who he was and the past few years he's had a few flings that I know of and of course I want him to be happy. However, I was horrified to find out that he is seeing a married man. A married man, a straight man with a family of kids. My son met him on Grindr. He is much older, in his 50s, and my son is 30 years younger. I was shocked, to be honest. However, my son told me this goes on wholesale. Married men who are actually in the closet meeting young men on Grindr and going home to their wives and kids. I am sickened and, of course, horrified my son would meet this man, but he too told me many of his gay friends are doing the same thing and there are hundreds of married men in Cork who have families who are on Grindr and sleeping with these younger gay men. There is also the issue of STDs to think about. These women have no idea what their husbands are up to. Worried mum, and we'll just uh, give you the initial J uh, to keep the anonymity. We have Francis Keller on line one. Good morning, Francis. Hello. Hello. Hi, Francis. How are you? Good, thanks. How are you? Good. Thank you for taking your call. You are a relationship expert and a dating coach, and you have your own dating coach business, Francis Kelleher Coaching. You were listening to that email and the previous one. Uh, I must say it's all new to me, but uh, what do you think? Yeah, it's very traumatic, Mick, in fairness, you know, um, what's going on. So, you you know, things are going on that we don't know are going on at all, like that woman said. So it's, it's very traumatic, you know, and that other email I listened to, I mean, that poor woman. You know, there's there's three types of trauma. The acute, chronic and complex and five stages of healing now that she has to go through. You know, the, the denial, the anger, the bargaining, depression and finally acceptance. So, I mean, it is, it's, it's heavy things going on in those houses. Tell me about the bargaining sector there. So the bargaining is like, you know, if you'd approach somebody and say, you know, I'll do anything you want for you to stay you know, to make okay. it work. So denial kind first, of, yeah. this can't be happening with, with my husband. Then exactly. anger, it's happening with my husband and I'm so angry. Then bargaining, uh, what do I need to do to make you stay? Yes, yes. And of course, the shock, Mick, is, is such a, a, a big factor in this to even get your head around that this is happening to me, you know. We always have this attitude, you know, you know humans, it, it's, it's normal. What have I done wrong? Somewhere else. Exactly. And and that happens to other people, not me. How is this happening to me? And of course, then comes the depression and acceptance then is is the ultimate healing once you can accept it and move on. So what I'd say to that woman, the, the first email is, you know, she needs to take some time for herself. Self-care is the number one. Even the shock alone, you need to just take some time for self-care, even if she needs to take a few days off work. Same with that woman with her son, because it's just the whole shock of it, you know. They need to take some time out to regroup for themselves. Okay. I'm told they're both listening to you right now, Francis. So let's look, first of all, before we look maybe to, to healing and, and, and moving on, let's look at the symptoms involved here. Is, is there a seriously repressed sexual appetites that need to be fulfilled here? What's causing all of this, uh, you know, surreptitious contact and through the dating sites and 
sneaking around and, you know, illicit meetings and this kind of thing. You know, everyone is a free agent, of course, but we enter into contracts, moral contracts in life. Uh, and there seems to be a lot of going behind people's backs here. Is it just for a little bit of excitement? Is there a, a loss of feeling loved in these people? Or, or what, what causes them to do it, first off? I would say a lot of it, Neil, isn't being honest you know, and open with their own lives. Like that married man, you know, that's seeing the the son of 20 years of age, for example, he's obviously not able to be honest in his own life with who he really is. I think once we accept who we really are and we don't care what people think, we can live a true life. So that's the essence of it. Well, maybe now, that is who he is, Francis. Maybe he just wants to have some fun and he doesn't care. I was just about to say, yes, Mike, uh, Mick, sorry, you're right. Because on the other side of that, then it can be just for selfish reasons and for, like you said, the excitement. You know, the, the, the mundane life gets boring and these people can look for excitement. So it's that as well. Yes, 100%. But, you know, I, I'd also have to counter the selfish uh, word you use there because maybe he's not being selfish. Maybe he's happy and the married man is happy and they're giving to each other. Yes, but I mean as in towards the other parties mm. involved. Oh, towards the, the other party, parties. yeah. Yes. In, 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 this case, towards, in this case, towards, towards his mother. Exactly. Yeah. And that other lady, her husband, you know, towards her, she's the injured party. She didn't know this was going on. You know, that young boy's mother didn't know what was going on. To those parties, I mean, yes. Okay, so how does somebody who feels betrayed get take the first tentative steps towards recovery and rebuilding of their self-worth? Okay, so the first thing is, again, take time for yourself. Take some time out for yourself. If you need to take a few days off work, you know, to regroup, do that. Because, you know, you're shocked, you're shell-shocked at the moment, and you need to just take care of yourself first, take a few steps back. The second thing is the basic things that everybody says but are so hard to do. Eat correctly, get a good night's sleep, and exercise. Trauma actually disrupts your body's natural equilibrium. So exercise and movement can help you repair the nervous system and get you back on track. It's actually nature's natural antidepressants exercising is, but we, we undervalue it so much because, you know, we have it at our disposal and we think sometimes we need more. We need something fancier. No, stick to the basics. So self-care is the first step, really. There's nothing to be achieved by overeating or comfort eating or overdrinking. No, no. Self-care. You need all your reserves now, all your energy, all your capabilities to, to get through this trauma. So you need, like, you know, when, when they say in the aircraft, put on your own oxygen mask first first, and then tend to the others. That's what you have to do. You have to look after yourself first. Okay. And the other huge thing is get support. You know, no man is an island. This is huge, um, you know, trauma to deal with. You need your support system around you. So reach out to the people who are there, if you have your family, your friends, you know, neighbours, if you're very close to a neighbour, whoever's your support system, reach out. You have to be able to talk about it and vent, especially us women. That's how we distress, um, de-stress, pardon me, is we vent and we share our problems and it's a burden lesson then. But that burden is probably a burden of self-doubt uh, as well as the burden of feeling betrayed. How many decent, strong friends would one person be expected to have who could discuss something so deeply personal and, uh, you know, so deeply violating as, as feeling, you know, not only that I wasn't good enough, but, um, I, you know, I wasn't good enough for my gender, that, that my husband went yes. off with a, with a different gender. 
Yes, and that, that is so true, Mick. Um, I mean, research has shown when we get older, we are very, very lucky, very lucky in life if we have one or two close friends. And if that isn't there for you, seek professional help. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no problem getting somebody to talk to, go to a counsellor, you know, even if you need a coach to help you through it, go and seek professional help. And, you know, like I say, the self-care is huge. Get what you need. And the other huge thing, Mick, is don't take it upon yourself. Don't say, it's my fault. What did I do wrong? You know, I can never trust again. The trust is a huge thing. The amount of people that come to me that have had their trust broken by another person and they're keeping that monkey on their back. That's not your monkey to keep on your back. That's the other person's monkey. You know, they did you wrong. They lied. They did the betrayal. Don't go through life thinking, you know, I can't trust anybody anymore. Don't let it ruin your future because this event happened. Keep that in mind, you know, and keep the the guilt off you because it's not your fault. Yeah, I remember reading a great book by Mike Scott from the Waterboys and and he was betrayed. It wasn't kind of so much in a love situation, but somebody trying to interfere with the the deeply personal relationship he had between himself and his music. And when this betrayal uh, made itself plain, he said, I'd found the bedrock of my self-worth. I'm also reminded that in, in poker, if you have a chip in a chair, you, you can build your way back to winning the game. So if you're no, almost at the bedrock of your self-worth, but you still feel you have a chip in a chair, get the support you need and rebuild. Yes, rebuild. And look, even J.K. Rowling said that, the famous author. She said, you know, she was at such a low point in her life when she wrote Harry Potter. She had, you know, no money. She was poor. She had just broken up from her relationship. She moved back from Portugal, uh, you know, another country she had to move from. It was huge trauma going on there for her. And she said it was the best thing that ever happened because she started with the bedrock, like you say, the the foundation, the, the cornerstone, and she built upon it. And look, we all know the success story that she's become. So, you know, she's no different to anybody else. We're all human. If she can do it, you know, those ladies can do it and anybody can do it. And I would also say a great tip, Mick, is to take time out for the grieving. I remember a story of a woman who lost a child, which is one of the most traumatic things that can ever happen to you. Her child died and she was grieving constantly. She didn't know how to control it. So what she did was she used to go to the church every day for a certain amount of time, be it an hour, be it 20 minutes, and she used to just make that time solely to indulge in the grieving. And she just kept it compartmentalized to that. And then she could go on with her day and function normally and keep her routine. Routine is huge when things happen like this. So that's what I would say. Give you, give yourself certain times to grieve and then just, you know, say, okay, I'm just going to leave it there now for the moment until mm-hmm. I come back to my grieving time again. It's, I, suppose, I felt it was a great tip. Yeah, I suppose if, if Tyson Fury gave you a thump, you'd take a step back and try to collect your breath. It's sort of yeah. along those lines. Exactly, exactly. You know, just have it to, to that, like I say, if you have a, a certain time for it, you, can, you feel you have control over it and you feel you can control your emotions more than you would if you didn't. Francis, I don't have much time left. A couple of quick more questions. This, this is a text that came in uh, on the married men meeting guys on gay hookup apps. The guys aren't meeting on an emotional level. It's purely sex and the fact that gay guys are more open to experimenting sexually. What do you say about that? I would say that that can be true, but I would always say there are exceptions too. And sometimes people 
appear to be looking for something frivolous and and like what that lady just said, but underneath they're actually looking for love and genuine companionship. So it can be a bit more complex than that. Of course, there are those situations, but there are exceptions as well and and, and the other situations too. Okay, so uh, just to finish up, I wanted to ask you about dating again now that lockdown is lifting. Are people going to be, just like the bar staff and the hospitality staff, are they going to be clumsy, klutzy, anxious, nervous? Yes, the, the vibe I'm getting is people are very nervous. We're, we're rusty, you know, people are rusty. We're out of practice because we've had nobody to, to talk to socially, you know, really, like, like it used to be before COVID. So my advice would be talk to everybody, man, woman and child. You know, get your social skills sharpened so when you see that person that you do fancy, you're not going to be overcome with anxiety and completely stressed out and nervous. And say yes to everything. Get out as much as you can. You know, that's what widens your circle and that's what allows you to meet more people. And love is a numbers game, you know, Mick. The, the, you have to get the numbers in to, to meet the right person. And a huge thing is get offline as soon as you can. We're, we're free now to get to not be, you know, just using online. We can meet people. So use it, you know, and everybody I speak to, this is both male and female. They want to meet somebody in real life. They prefer it to online. So get out there and make conversations. That's how you start the ball rolling to getting a date. Brilliant. And, and, and don't use bad chat up lines would be another piece of advice I'd give. <laughs> I, I, heard a, yes. I heard a fellow once, he was, he was out on the dance floor and he said, geez, you don't sweat much for a fat girl, do you? Oh, no. Crash no, and burn. If anyone wants to contact you, charming. Francis, they can get you through Frances Kelleher, uh, F-R-A-N-C-E-S, Kelleher, uh, coaching.com. Francis Kelleher, coaching.com. Thank you very much for your time this morning, Francis. My pleasure, Mick. Thank you Thanks. so much for having me. Thank you. All the best. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. And our Musgrave Marketplace competition continues. We'll be opening the lines in about an hour's time, just over an hour's time, but don't call us just now. We want to give you a chance to hear the three uh, sig tunes or theme tunes that we'll be asking you to identify today when we open the lines. <laughs> And this is with our Musgrave Marketplace competition. Uh, we have, of course, fantastic prizes to give away as Musgrave take a leadership position in encouraging end consumers to support from today the rebuilding of the Irish hospitality sector. Uh, so today you're going to have to be staying in a hotel to avail of the of the services, of course. But from next Monday, the outside services across the hospitality sector will be once again legally available. And at Musgrave Marketplace, they've put about six hundred and fifty thousand uh, euros into. Uh, reinvigorating the uh, hospitality sector and appeal for the hospitality sector right across the country. They're proudly supporting the reopening of our hospitality industry with a 145-year heritage and uh, they believe in supporting other family businesses and jobs in our local economy. It's a really, really positive uh, thing they're doing. So we're happy to take part and to offer today a €150 voucher for the Maritime Hotel in Bantry. We've had a winner for Gro- uh, Copper Grove and Bandon and for Sultan's Bar and Bistro at the Rogerstown Park Hotel and our uh, daily winners will go into a draw on Friday for a €500 voucher for the Brehan Hotel. So as Cork reopens, Irish hospitality needs more than just luck and good wishes. It needs us to subscribe and put our shoulders financially to the wheel and support all of those uh, great things. So let's see uh, if we can get this identified in just about an hour's time. Here's one final listen for this hour. (laughs) 
Okay, and we'll open the lines, as I say, in about an hour's time. By text on 0868104106. Hi, make on the married men, married men meeting uh, guys on the gay hookup apps. The guys aren't meeting on any emotional level. It's just for fun. Uh, there is no long-term relationships that I've ever witnessed. I'm a gay man who has met many people through the uh, relationships apps. Uh, we're experimenting, we're having fun, we're not doing anyone any harm. Uh, at least I'm not. Uh, and at that, I've made peace with my... Uh, involvement, but uh, that's not to say the prospective partners that I would meet would do the same thing. That's by text on 0868104106. Uh, on a different matter, this one by email. Hi Mick, I've been separated from my wife for over two years. Since then, it's been a constant battle for access for my daughter. I suffer from mental health and my ex-wife is using that against me in court. All I was getting was two hours accessed, uh, access supervised by the family centre. I gave that up about six weeks ago as she is too old to be stuck in a room playing with blocks and a toy car. I work full time and also have gone into second year in a business course. I am a father when it comes to maintenance, but not when it comes to access. What does somebody need to do to actually prove they should have access with and to their child? I know a lot of people are going through the same thing as me. The system is wrong and it is so Frustrating. That uh, is from obviously from anonymous. One more before we take a break for news. Mick, I need advice. Please keep my name anonymous. Long story short, me and my partner emigrated from Cork nearly three years ago in search of work. Now things aren't going as good. I'm not working the last few months as I lost my job to uh, to COVID with my workplace closed. My partner's paying everything, and it's not fair on him. We're waiting on our daughter's passport. We're wanting to come home as our family haven't met our baby yet, including both our parents. Basically, we're in a dilemma. We can just about afford for the three of us to come home, not including quarantine. But when we get home, we've no jobs or place to stay. For certain personal and medical reasons, we can't stay with family members. What can we do? Does anyone know of a landlord or business that could help us in the right direction? We miss home in Cork and we want to come back. News at 11 is on the way with the Neil Prandival Show. I'm Rory. And I'm Valerie. And you can join us for the very best in local, national and international sport every weekend on the Big Red Bench. That's the Big Red Bench every Saturday and Sunday from 6 on Cork's Red FM. 104 to 106 Red FM This is the Neil Frienderville Show and a very good morning, seven and a half minutes past eleven. This is Mick Mulcahy. Restaurants are gearing up to reopen for outdoor dining this Monday. We've concentrated strongly on hotels uh, and on their welcome reopening today. Uh, and that is in advance of the spinning up of the uh, restaurant sector, f- albeit for outside dining, outdoor dining this Monday coming. Now, I know there are many pubs, and we'll try and cover some of those pubs as well before the end of the week, just to give them a little bit of a shout-out. But Seamus Whelan took himself off to the Angler's Rest near Ballincollig. Uh, famous for his food, famous for his pints, and he spoke with manager Chris Crowley uh, while he was preparing for the reopening of the Angler's Rest. We're here at the beginning of June. Like, this place should be heaving. Beautiful weather. I know. Like, so disappointing, especially when you come and see the garden now. Um, extremely disappointing but look I suppose it is what it is you know I've no control over the opening dates and the closing dates and the lockdowns so we just make the best of it that we can but like you're in a good position here because like you've got an amazing outdoor space as you can see Um, but even with this amazing outdoor space we're still restricted and limited so while we have all of this space we're very limited in, in a sense that we can only have a certain amount covered and the rest of the garden then is open to the elements so we all saw the, the rain for the last few weeks so this is while it's still usable it's unbookable you know thankfully we're getting inside in July 
so that'll make more space outside then for people you know but uh, when you're great. opening up on Monday mm-hmm. um, what's the protocol how, how do people get in here what do you do can you so walk you, me through it yeah so it's a reservation first of all now we do walk-ins as well for the garden and um, walk-in where you don't need a reservation but again weather dependent um, so yeah when you arrive you arrive at the car park across the road you come here you'll have your temperature checked you'll come into the your pre-reserved table socially distanced um, you'll enjoy a good lunch brunch lunch or dinner or we're just about to open our pizza oven as well something that we haven't had here before so we're introducing new things to the place and they sit now it is time restricted again like that unfortunately uh, outside in the garden it's not but under the marquee where we have our tables for lunch brunch and dinner that is time restricted and um, it's not something that we wanted to do I suppose there's a few reasons for it when we got the announcement of the opening dates we were given no guidelines for at least I would say three weeks and um, thankfully we're a popular business so the demand was there so you have to make a decision on that and um, so that's part one of it it's the same with July you know you're given insight but not a huge amount of guidelines around it so again you have to kind of make them as you go yourself based on what we've seen and done over the last year and a half we can still have a good capacity more than most um, which we're delighted with but nowhere near the capacity that like the space what, sort, what sort of numbers are we looking at? I think comfortably if you can see it here comfortably you can socially distance easily at one time over 100 people um, under the marquee and then outside put another 60, 70, 80 people so comfortably socially distanced inside and out and then you take when we move inside for July you have two or three hundred people all together all comfortable safe plenty space plenty air um, inside the bar there there's plenty space there as well it's all socially distanced so as soon as we can we'll be fine we did it last year um, when we came out of lockdown last summer um, we did it very well we're very busy which I suppose is why the demand is there for this summer as well, you know. We've had um, some people on, on air recently saying that they're struggling to get staff back. Yes, yes and no. I suppose we've had to look at it maybe a little bit differently. So in terms of, I suppose the biggest one has been the chefs. Um, I'm very thankful, fantastic kitchen team inside. I lost one or two of really, really good chefs, you know, that I wish didn't have to go. But again, people have to make decisions for themselves. But thankfully my team is up to, up to where I needed to be for June anyway and we'll continue to, to hire then for July and a lot of people have left the industry a lot of people went home as well from Ireland you know they all travelled back home and didn't come back or won't be coming back and yeah it's been tricky but again we have no control over it you know so you just do the best you can and that is the Angler's Rest and a great report there from Seamus Whelan now of course uh, well as was mentioned in that report it's the lack of uh, facilities uh, that has been the uh, I, I suppose really the the clarion cry for the government to provide more outside facilities and that has been only accentuated by the lack of facilities, by the closing of the bars and the restaurants for inside service. Uh, And on that topic uh, and this uh, is really highlighting how difficult it is to access a toilet anywhere in the city centre. I know it's going to be eased from today with hotels to a certain extent and it's going to be eased especially from Monday if you even sit down for an outside uh, coffee or outside service, you will probably be able to use an inside toilet. But that hasn't been the case uh, up to now. Diane, good morning. How are you? I'm good. Now, you were particularly traumatised by uh, not having a toilet facility available for your three-year-old. Yes, um, we took a trip up to the city yesterday. um, Myself, uh, my daughter, Isabel, and Mackenzie is three, and I have a little baby as well. Um, And I like I was in no rush to be any, you know, big shop or anything, just that I'd take them around, sun was shining. So we ventured into Pennies and 
Um, Mackenzie said, Mom, I need to go to the toilet. And I said, OK. I said, look, no problem. I said, I'll ask. So this is your three-year-old. So she can't be long-trained. She's not long-trained, Mick. No, she's not. So, But she's very, very good, you know. She's like, if I'd asked her to hold it, she would, you know. And she did. So we were kind of going around. And I, I asked the staff member, I said, hi. I said, look, is there any possibility I could use the loo? I said, my daughter's long-trained. I said, she's only three. She said, oh, God, no, we're not allowed. Let anybody use the toilet? I said, Okay, I said, that's a bit strange. But anyway, so I asked her to hold it. And I said, can you hold it? She said, yes, Mum, I can. So that was fine. Continued shopping around. And she said, Mum, I really need to go. And I said, okay, so I'm up to the lift. And I was just picking up stuff from my dad. And we got upstairs anyway. And I just passed another staff member. And I said, look, I said, please. I said, could I, my daughter use the toilet? I said, she's absolutely busting. Now, at this stage, Mick, the child was starting to get really, really, really upset. And I suppose, like, any other mother in my position would be the same. You have a baby in a buggy, you have a five-year-old, and you have a three-year-old who then now is, like, a child possessed, screaming, holding herself. I can imagine your stress levels. I was sweating, Mick. I'm telling you now, I was I like, oh, my God, you know, everyone's looking at me. The child is, like, she's, like, one possessed now, right? So I said, please, can she use the toilet? Now, I should have actually dropped the bags and, and went, but I was actually such in a panic, I went up to the till. And the child, I was like, oh, my God, like, she actually wouldn't stop screaming. Now, the other girl had said she couldn't use the toilet again the second time. And I said, she's screaming. I said, please, can she use the toilet? Like, and she said, absolutely no way. So the child was absolutely hysterical, holding herself at the till. My other little girl, Isabel, was blocking her ears because she was screaming so bad. I was sweating. I actually asked the, the guard still to hurry on. I said, please, can you hurry, please? I said, the child is wanting to go to the toilet. I have to go. And next thing, she kind of kind of stopped screaming. And I was like, she's after going. She peed herself at the till. And I was absolutely traumatised. The child was traumatised. Isabel was like, mom, mom, she's after peeing herself. I was like, okay, 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 okay. So I turned around and I said, I need to speak to a manager immediately. Immediately, like. Mm-hmm. So the manager came around and she said, um, is everything okay? I said, Clearly it's not. You obviously heard her screaming. Like, the whole shot me heard her, like, heard her. The, everyone was looking at me. I was absolutely mortified. The child now was soaking, absolutely soaking. And she said, oh, there's nothing we can do. I said, she's three years old. No, I wasn't saying that to her. I, I actually swore to her, and I shouldn't have swore to her, but I was so cross, so angry, so stressed. And they just didn't help me in any way. It was absolutely the most horrific experience Ever and the child is traumatized. Like she, she kept apologizing to me after a three-year-old apologizing. Mm. You know, for not letting like peeing her pants in a public shop. It was just horrific. horrific. I, I I know that having toilet facilities, for instance, in cafes and restaurants, must be a mandatory element of of the health guidelines. But uh, you know, for casual shopping for clothes in in a large department store, are they obliged to have toilets? Uh, You know, notwithstanding the fact they have them in pennies and you can normally use them uh, outside of this health, um, these health guidelines that are currently uh, restricting their use. Um, You know, is is it pennies' fault that they are having to adhere to these very restrictive measures when it comes to hygiene uh, in, in the greater good for public health? Well, uh, well, I think the way I look at it now, Mick, to be honest, is that if you're allowing us to shop in your shop, handling clothes, handling bags, picking up stuff, looking at them, surely be the God a three-year-old can use the toilet. Surely, that, all, that's yeah. That's the way I look at it. 
You know what I mean? Like, they could be, like, if you go into the banks, they're sanitizing wipes to wipe down the machines. You know, they've everything, sanit- like, you know, sanitizing stuff everywhere. I think, especially the children and the elderly, should be allowed to use the toilet. It's as simple as that, I think, anyway. If, you're, if we're allowed to shop, we're up at the till. There's no um, wipes or anything at the tills up there. You know what I mean? So, like, what's the difference? So what you happened in the end? You, 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 now, you now have a child who's soaking wet. I, oh my God, it was actually horrific. So we had to um, leg it downstairs, go all the way up to the Merchant's Key, right? And then, sure, we got into the Merchant's Key. The queue, the queue was a mile long. Um, and there was actually a pregnant woman in front of me. And not one person would let that, she was heavily pregnant. Not one person would let that poor woman go to the toilet or there wasn't even a staff member to help her or help people, pregnant people, people with children, elderly people to go to the toilet. So when she left, she actually left. I was like, do you know what now? I'm not standing here. So I walked up past the queue and I went up to the disabled toilet and the changing area and I brought my child in there and I had to take her nicks off and let my child go home with no nicks on and soaking socks. Wow. Like, I mean, that is just horrific. Well, wasn't there a public toilet once on Merchant's Key? Um, I, I, well, all I know is the one of upstairs. That's the only one I know of. No, I'm talking about ne- next to the river on the quay itself. I think there was, and it was, it was demolished. Um, I, I haven't a clue, but like, I think that's another big thing as well. There's no public toilets. You know what I mean? Like, like, but I mean, this day and age, you should be allowed to use the toilet, Mick, in all honesty. Like, uh-huh. you know, I mean, the child is traumatised. I'm traumatised. My five-year-old is like, Mom, why didn't they let her go to the toilet? She cannot understand it. You know, and the fact that they were so blasé about it is even more infuriating. You but, know? There, but there's nowhere to go to the toilet in the city because every hospitality outlet is closed at the moment, uh, except no, for today now the hotel's I, opening. And I'm not, I'm not sure you, you, you I don't, I don't think you could even walk into a hotel today to use the toilet unless you were no, a customer. I, 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 that's what I was saying. I put it on my social media last night and a lovely man from the Imperial Hotel um, emailed me and said, don't ever, ever be stuck like that again with a three-year-old, in fairness to him. Uh-huh. He said, if you're ever stuck, please bring the child over. Well, we have an so official response from, uh, from Penny's. A Penny's spokesperson has written this to us. We are very sorry to hear about this customer's experience and would like to stress that we will always do our utmost to assist Penny's customers where possible. Safety is our number one priority as we reopen our stores in line with government guidelines. We have extensive safety measures in place in our stores and this unfortunately means that our customer toilets are fully closed until further notice and we are unable to grant customers access to employee facilities I imagine under these same guidelines it continues however we are keeping this under review and we will amend our policies as soon as it is safe and right to do so in the meantime we are very grateful to our customers for their continued patience and cooperation with in-store safety measures Do you know what Mick I will never again darken that door never again like she's three years old she's three years old let mm-hmm. the child go to the toilet. It's yeah, I mean, if, if, if children are exempt at certain ages from wearing masks, uh, you know, yeah. they, maybe they should also be exempt from these very restrictive policies of fully closed. Uh, and I understand that, uh, you know, members of the public should probably not be mixing in employee facilities. Fair enough. But for children, you know, the law as it stands notwithstanding, Penny is adhering to the law uh, as, as is their obligation notwithstanding. Uh, that maybe some latitude could be applied for younger people, especially like three or four-year-olds. Absolutely, but sure, Mick, they, they had to clean up her urine off the floor. So, like, would they rather be on their hands and knees cleaning up urine than letting her go to the toilet? Like, I can't figure that out. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? 
So like I like the, the policy thing is absolute. It's a joke. It's a complete not a joke, especially for elderly people as well. Like my father would have diabetes as well, and he he would have to go to the toilet. It's as simple as that. He wouldn't be able to hold it. Mm-hmm. So like the likes of him now and children, they can't, like you can't take your children out in the city. You can't go anywhere because there's no toilets, and I shouldn't have to put a nappy on Mackenzie going up to the city because she's trained. That's totally setting her back. Yeah, but a text here says, is, is it the shop's fault that you kept shopping with your child needing to go to the potty? Like, I, sh- I should, I said that, I should have left. But mm. she said she was fine. By the yeah, time okay. we got upstairs then, I, I should have left, I should have. And like, as one girl said to me, you should have dropped your bags. And I was like, I, I actually don't know what I was thinking. I was so stressed, so upset. I was like, oh my God, the whole shop is looking at me. What am I going to do? I can't leave the till. What am I going to do? But sure, she ended up going anyway. So yeah. like we, regardless of whether we're in penny, she, like by the time we got out the door, she would have left anyway. So they should have let us use the toilet from the first go. How is she today after it all? She's fine. Like she said it to me a few times. I sorry, mama. I sorry, mommy. I pee, I pee my pants. I'm sorry. You know, yeah. like she still says it. She's like, mom, they didn't leave me go to the toilet. Like she's mm. she's lethal. Like she will remember this. You know. Yeah. But it's very upsetting. Like you know, they should have let her go to the toilet. Text came uh, in from uh, on oh eight six eight one zero four one zero six. I work for Aldi. We've never stopped customers using our toilets throughout the pandemic. There is no reason why pennies are not allowing people to use the toilets. I imagine there is. I imagine there's strict public health guidelines. Like there is, but like, as I said, we're, we're in a shop. We're all like, there's hundreds of people in the shop. What's the difference of being handling a pair of jeans, you know, handling jumpers, bags, makeup, and then going to the toilet? Like the toilet is going to have wipes and stuff to wipe it down. I, I just don't understand it. I don't get it. Okay. Well, you know? it's 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 something that thankfully the the situation should be eased. You can go and buy a, a coffee or a, a sandwich or something outside, and perhaps then have the right. Uh, and I think everyone should have the right to go. I think when the pubs open on Monday uh, for outside service, you're going to have to go in to use the loo, aren't you? Absolutely. You, sh- like, you should be able to use the loo regardless, Mick. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You should be able to use the loo, especially for a three-year-old or an elderly person. It's, it's, it's vital. Okay. You know? Well, we, we've covered the, the three-year-old, the younger element. We'll move now to the older element. Thank you very much, Diane. Thanks, mate. Talk to you soon. Thanks. Bye. All the best. Bye-bye. Bye. Now, an advocate for the elderly in Cork has raised concerns about the lack of public toilets in the city centre. Paddy O'Brien said it was absolutely deplorable that nobody in this modern age should have to remain at home due to a lack of toilets. And Paddy joins us in line five. Hi, Paddy. Good morning, Mick, and thanks for having me on your programme. Not a problem. Uh, I, I, I listened to that lady, and this is pathetic, but just... It's just, this is happening. I, I had a, uh, there was an article in the paper yesterday by uh, 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 Breda Graham from the Echo, and as a result of that article, the amount of phone calls I got last night it, along the same lines. So the situation is this, that we have our elderly people who are isolated, locked indoors, those living alone, they suffered depression, sadness, uh, everything you can think of, and they were looking forward to a day that had a bit of freedom going to Cork. Some of them went in last week, and I get the phone calls over the weekend. They'd go into their coffee shop, um, a coffee or a cup of tea, and sit on the outside, and I'd use the toilet. It was no. Now, this is absolutely deplorable at this point in time in a, a modern age that these people, I don't care about rules and regulations, it, it, it just seems to be rules, different rules for different shops. I mean, there are shops in Cork on Patrick Street, and they have toilets, but the situation is that if they may not suit elderly people, but the simple reason is that there's a queue. There could be a queue for 10 or 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. And like a, a, an elderly person wanting to go to a, a user toilet order, that isn't on. And I'm saying I can't understand why, why 
these, these small restaurants, these cocktails, um, can't, if they accept the person's money, why shouldn't they allow them to use the toilet? Now, what I've done was this. I spoke to one cafe during, uh, yesterday, rather, and it was told, which was um, a health directive. So I rang the minister uh, for health in charge of the elderly people, um, and Mary Bulger, and I rang and told her secretary the whole situation. And I outlined what I've just said there with elderly people. The large number of elderly people confined indoors for 14 months, you know, suffering depression and loneliness and sadness, full of anxiety. And all they wanted was walk into town, meet a friend. And when this happened, and they couldn't use a toilet, the pro- major problems for them. And it's absolutely, depro- absolutely deplorable. Paddy, I mentioned earlier in the week that if you're on the road any bit at all, you'll get to know the garages where they have toilet facilities. Uh, you know, there are many places you stop for petrol or diesel and, and it's obvious there is no toilet facility. And well, there are many places, you know, some of the bigger forecourts and some of the bigger branded names on, on the motorways where you know that you will get toilet facilities. So it begs the question, if if shops like Penny's and if uh, other retail that's open that had pre-existing toilet facilities to help customers, why aren't they allowed to use them now? Because the customers still need the same relief. Yeah, but there are, there are shops with queues in Parker Street um, for, 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 for the toilets. And in relation to the garages, I was going to make that point. Uh, apart from the small cafes, the garages are offenders as well. Because when I got this, I got lots of, uh, lots of complaints about this. I decided to drive around myself. And I would put it to a garage and I'd, I'd buy the paper. I didn't petrol and asked and use the uh, the toilet. Sorry, sorry, sorry. And I went to I went to about ten garages and about eight or nine, and if not ten, no, I can't use the toilets in the in, gar- in garages. And I know a lady who travelled from Cork with her daughter to Skibbereen, and the, the the child required to go to the toilet in um, done not done um, in um, in the Shannon, and. Couldn't get a place in any, any of the garages along the way. You see, what, what the situation is, this is that people look for a toilet and say, oh, it's only a small thing. It's a very, very, very big thing. And when you're speaking here specifically about the elderly, despite the fact that I got lots of complaints from younger people over the last day or two, that um, uh, we, we, we require more toilets. We require public toilets. And years ago, we had a lot of time. For instance, everybody knows where the electric bar is in South Mall. And that grassy margin was a public toilet there. There's a public toilet in all the Plunker Street. There was one on Merchant's Quay, Paddy, wasn't there? Merchant's Quay, yeah. And there was near the Opera House, across the road from the Opera House, there was a toilet. But Menor was open the door, Menor only, women, <clears throat> women only. Now, it's a major problem, and it has to be rectified. And a lot of people are doing it because they don't want to have to go and clean up. If they're that really interested or concerned about the health situation, I mean, if I was running a coffee shop, I would let them use it, of course, and then get a member of the staff go in, fast hot, fast spray, and we're off again. But uh-huh. to refuse anyone when they'd want to use a toilet, it's absolutely de- 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 deplorable. And as I said, I rang the minister's office say that what is this all about? The elderly have suffered enough over the last 14 months. Well, at, at, at least our previous caller was able to bring her child into town, even though it didn't end very well. But what you're saying is yeah. that the elderly, uh, after 14 or 15 months of isolation and lockdown, now won't even venture into town um, yeah, the, because of the, the lack of the, toilets. And that, that raises the bigger question. What happened to all the, the public regret, toilets? The regret thing about this, the people who came on to me had been in town, had been in Cork, 
and just just refused. It was a matter of, in one case, get a taxi home. I mean, the or the urgency of it. It's a, I mean, elder, elder, I read an article recently that about 85% of elderly people on medication, right? And they would go and use the bathroom or use the toilet more frequently than, than others, right? And this lady had to get a, a taxi home. No, it's, it's a, incredible in this modern age that there's people are putting off of this. And I'm just surprised that if, if there's a director from the Department of Health, I think it should be rectified straight off. And they, I think you, know, you have you have pennies they don't allow jury to some health problem and other shops are doing it. Well, you'd have you know? to ask the question, Paddy, which is better for public health, allowing a three-year-old who's bursting to go to the toilet access to the facility or cleaning up her urine off the floor? Yeah, well, I, what you said first, I would, I would allow them to, 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 to use the, the toilet. And can I go back to the elderly for another second there, that the elderly who are going into town are, are double vaccinated. They had the vaccinated. Yeah, they would have been the first cohort. Yeah, and, yeah exactly, yeah. yeah. Uh, look, I, I think maybe the governments are, are depending on the opening pubs now to provide the toilet facilities that have been taken away. They were probably taken away because there were dens of iniquity for drug shooting up and all that. Yeah, uh, and, yeah, and, you know, yeah, they were unsavoury yeah. areas. But we do need public toilets and we do need them uh, as a matter of urgency in the city centres. And that's true. I'm, not, I'm, I'm making that statement about we want public toilets, but we can't wait to have toilets yeah. Public toilets built, and and the elderly people can't go there, can't go into town. The situation is this: that the, whoever is responsible for this directive must come out and say, okay, the coffee shops, the cheese shops, such a shop should and must allow people to use the bathroom. Yeah, facilitate people. Yeah. Okay, Paddy. Thanks very much for that. Thank uh, Paddy O'Brien, uh, spokesperson for the elderly, joining us on the Neil Prendival show. Now, very quickly, one more call on the topic, and that is Brida. Hi, Brida. Hiya, it's Frida. Oh, oh, Frida, is it? Hiya, yeah. Okay, hi, Frida. Hi. You you can uh, you can concur with the Aldi text, yeah? You had a an experience in an Aldi, Aldi text, shop, yeah? yeah. Um, no, it was good. Like I was in there a few weeks ago, and I was just after doing the weekly shop, and you know how it is then in Aldi, where you have to pack the loose items, then go bagging them. So I said, like, I badly needed to go, and you know, the staff member was very kind leave me in so yeah I mean it's it's kind of a basic human right really isn't it it's more hygienic and more uh, healthy uh, to go yeah, and, course, and yeah. you know if, if you've been in any uh, any of the multiple German multiples Lidl and Aldi uh, they have very hygienic toilets there normally um, for normal use I mean and uh, and there's always uh, even before the pandemic there's been uh, hand sanitizing and that kind of stuff in them yeah I mean it's, it's one of the most I suppose hygienic places you can go because you can wash your hands, you know, so it shouldn't have been an issue, you know, for that woman in pennies, I feel sorry for her, like, because I've okay. myself, so I'd know how it would feel. Yeah, so in Aldi, what you're, what you're saying is that they're not generally open, they're not inviting everybody to use the toilet, but if you're taken short, they will accommodate you. Yeah, like the staff member would have to leave you in, so they wouldn't be typically customer toilets, I suppose, whereas other other stores in town would, but no, the staff member now was very kind to just leave myself in like you know I wasn't expecting this because I was just there on my own no child with me or anything but you got looked after that's the main thing yeah alright Frida that sounds like an East Cork accent is it it is yeah y'all yeah okay alright yeah. all the best to you alright thanks bye Th- thanks bye. a million cheers bye bye it's 28 minutes to 12 back in a moment this is the Neil Prenderville show tweet the show at Neil Red FM. 
104 to 106 Red FM. And a very good morning from the Neil Prendeville Show at 25 minutes to 12. Minister Pascal Donner, who is on his feet outside government buildings, outlining the bans and the various criteria uh, regarding the uh, enhancement, shall we say, uh, in a fair way, as they say, of the local property tax. Vincent is on that subject in line one. Hi, Vincent. Good morning. How are you, sir? Uh, you, you, you said it there, you know, he's outside, he's outside the door giving the bad news for the weekend again as usual. <laughs> Why should anybody, especially old age pensioners, older people, working men, the poor, pay more property tax? Well, not, it, a lot of people will not be paying more. I, th- I think what what the band extension is going to be is number one, bringing in houses that were that were built uh, from two thir- 2013 onwards. Yes, I heard that. They, they, yeah. they would have paid six, seven, eight percent stamp duty, and so they were kind of exempt from the uh, the property tax for a while. Uh, and now, because you know their houses have essentially, in some places, doubled in value almost. Uh, are being brought into into that net. I I do take your point. Why should old age pensioners be paying property tax? Maybe it should be something you're absolved of at 65. I mean, it's crazy, right? They give themselves 10,000 a few weeks ago of an increase. The next crowd to get an increase now is the councillors. 8,000... And the old age pensioners got no increase for three budgets. I think think the old age pensioners got a fiver in the last four, didn't they? I'm sorry, we did not. I'm sorry, we did not. Not even a fiver in the last four? No. 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 How much was a fiver? You wouldn't give it to a child making his first communion. You wouldn't, you wouldn't light the fire with it? You wouldn't light the fire with it. You wouldn't buy a, a half package of woodbines. Long go for a, for, a, for a fiver. But they can't do what they like themselves, can't they? But figure about... I, I, I'm a member of, of Age Action. And I meet an awful lot of older people every morning after Mass. You know, we chat, we talk, we do everything else, like, you know. And they can't even, some of them can't even heat their houses for the full winter with what they're getting. I mean, you, you had 18-year-olds, you Mick, boys and girls, they worked in McDonald's and those places, and they were getting 80 euros a week. And all of a sudden, the government gave them 350 and giving the old-age pensioners 250 Oh, well, then, no, not, 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 all, not any, nobody on 80 got, got uh, 350. They would have got about 210, is it, 203? No, I think they got 350, every one of them, as far as I, I, I have uh, inquired about it. They all got 350. Okay, I'm open to correction on that. Um, but anyway, you're yeah, saying yeah, so, so, some yeah, of your I compatriots, so some of your age cohort can't even keep their houses warm in the winter, not to mind paying property tax. They can't. I know, I know some widows there, especially, like, you know, they just can't pay what they're paying at the moment. For property tax, yeah, they have to pay. It. Well, there, there's been I, there's been one, if not two, increases in carbon tax on uh, on fuel uh, because, of course, we, the next budget. yeah, because there's, there, there's, the next there's a green budget, element yeah. in our government. I agree that should be kicked out. They should the Green Party next time kicked out. They should be because that's all they're doing. They're doing nothing else. Only putting up carbon tax, putting up everything. That's all they're doing every other day. They were last again last day on another program, mm-hmm. another one of the Green Parties. They were the same game again. Put this up and put that up and put everything up. Oh, save the world, but freeze one pensioner at a time doing it. Vincent, thanks very much for your comment anyway. Why should pensioners be paying property tax? Thanks a million. Back to the toilet issue. It's becoming Toilet FM this morning. Hi, Anna. Hi, Mick. How are you? Very good. Now, you're a diabetic. Uh, I'm diabetic and I need to know that there's a bathroom before I go into town now. And this is happening now, like, through, you know, when the pandemic was on and Duns was open. Sorry, no, should I have mentioned the name? 
But, like, you can use the bathroom anytime. And they're spotless. Yeah, I mean... absolutely Pardon me? I don't see what public health issue there is. If if a if if a company, if a concern, if an outlet are prepared to keep sanitizing their toilets so that their customers can use it, uh, I don't see where the public health issue is. I know in general uh, there's a general hygiene issue with hundreds and thousands of people using toilets, um, but well, you know for individual sanitization, if if a company is prepared to do that. Uh, and keep the toilet spotless. So I think it's it's, it's a necessary part well, of society. To be fair now to Duns, and to be fair, and I have nothing at all to do with Duns, don't get me wrong here. But, like, if you go up onto the second floor, they have no problem whatsoever with leaving you use the bathroom. Like, and that was terrible what happened to that lady yesterday with the child. You know, obviously she didn't know the bathroom was across the way in Duns. And okay. they will leave you use the bathroom. They won't, I've never seen them stop anyone. And I know friends of mine that will use the bathroom there as well. But as a diabetic, you need to know that this is, is there for you. you. You can plan your your route around well, town around the fact you of you staying close to a toilet. Right. Well, you can, you see, because then you can go around town knowing that the, the bathroom is there and that they won't stop you. Like, to be fair to them, no, they will not stop. Like, And they do have them meticulously clean. Like, it's a pity that lady didn't know it yesterday. Because I was in town yesterday, and I was actually up in the bathroom, and there was a few people up there with, within the social distancing, you know, and there was a lady there, and she was cleaning the bathroom after everyone. Wow. And, like, I have to give credit where credit is due as well, Mick. Okay, that's... I don't know why Penny's couldn't have left that lady use a bathroom. Well, they have their, their statement to us, and they're, they're abiding by the, the legal restrictions as are imposed by the government. But in fairness, no, Mick, you can sanitise after everyone if you have a member of staff employed to do that. Okay. Like, it's not, it's not, it's not very hard to sanitise. Like, I mean, you will do it, and we're also used to doing it now. Then it's an automatically thing that a member of staff could be trained in within an hour to do that. Sure, but I mean, whatever toilet you go into, I think we're, we're now conditioned. We have a mindset to sanitise it ourselves even before we use it. Of course, of course. And of course, and I mean, like upstairs and downs, it's well sanitised and you're well sanitising your hands afterwards. Okay, Anna, thanks you a million. Know? Well, okay. No problem, Mick. No, just that... leave people know that they will allow people use the bathroom once they respect it, obviously. And, you know, use it like they don't have an issue with it and they don't seem to have a problem with it. Okay, so I need to ask the question now, even rhetorically, Anna. Is, is it government dictat? that all toilets are to be closed inside shops, or is there some lenience to be given if there is a member of staff sanitising after each individual use or every two or three uses? Um, because toilets in a city centre are an essential item, and they're just non-existent. Thanks a million, Anna. I'm going to go to Joe on the same uh, topic. Uh, Joe's a diabetic, and you were often caught out in town. Joe, were you? Yes, hello. Hello, Joe. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, I'm a diabetic, and I was often caught inside in town, do you know? Mm-hmm. During the pandemic, yeah. is it? Yeah, um, it's very, it's very dangerous to hold your water, because enough taught me that years ago. It's very dangerous. No, I often went inside in town, right? and I wouldn't be worried either about the girls. No, I love to ask the girls, what would he do if he was cut out? Right. And I know he wouldn't answer me. It's very dangerous. 
And they do it again and again and again in those toilets inside in town. There should be toilets in town for the public. It's as simple as that. Well, that's a straight message. It's a disgrace that there isn't. I don't know how long it's going to take for the whole planning process no. or for the finance um, to come in place to put them back. But uh, but didn't you yeah. find that when, when we had public toilets, they were at use for nefarious activities like drugs, etc.? The drugs, yeah. No, there's a toilet facing uh, the library there. The drugs were using that. I seen a man one day and a woman in their 18s, about 18 or 19, they went into the one cubicle, the two of them. No, they didn't go in there for confession. It's probably sex, no, or drugs. They should not that. No, just across the road from the stairs, right? There's an alleyway. Okay. It's just, right, an alleyway, um, it's just across from the... It's there, you know? Okay. And they're using that. It's this clear stone there. There's three ways into that place. There's Alva Prunker Street, there's the Mall, and the Grand Parade. There's three ways to go in there, and there's this crease smell in there. Yeah, it can be. I've walked through it a few times. It can be bad, all right. Uh, but you, 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 you went in the street in town, and you do it again because there is no facility. <laughs> Yeah, I do it again. All right. And if, yes, I don't care if I'm caught by a bang there or any gather on. I finish my business and I pull up my business and I turn around and, and I'll educate them. Okay. <laughs> pull the zip That's up first, will you? No, Pull the zip oh, up yeah. first, though, before you turn around. Joe, thanks I a million. Georgina, how are you? Hi, Georgina. Hi, good morning, Mick. How are you? Very good. You were in Crosshaven. Uh, Mick, when the restrictions were lifted, myself and my, my lady friends, they were all in our 60s, grandmothers, went down to Crosshaven just to get the fresh air, you know what it was like after the restrictions were lifted, and getting a coffee and centre down there and whatever. But with me, with kidney problems, I can't drink for about an hour before I go on the trip. And I didn't, and we were getting our coffees, and I said, look, I'll, I'll renege. And maybe after the walk, I will maybe have one then because we'd be on our, our way home. But mm-hmm. when we pulled into the car park outside Cronin, there was a beautiful black um, toilet there. You know, you pay for, pay as you go and it's, I think it's self-cleaning. Yes. You know, all completely locked up. I put in 20p, 50p, uh, a euro. I would have paid 10 euro to have a pee. The pain, with my kidneys, I'm talking personally now, right? Okay, and so then of course you have nowhere to go now. Nowhere to go, but because I lived in Camden Road years ago as a child growing up uh, and grab on, I knew one or two places off by um, uh, the fort in the Fort Camden. And one of my, my, my lady friends, uh, as I say, we're all in our 60s, stood and said, Go on, your grand, no, go on, go, there's no one coming, there's no one coming. They're standing guard, were they? They were standing guard. The sweat poured off me. Like that child in pennies, I'm nearly 63 years of age. So I'm potty trained, I'm potty trained, <laughs> 60 bloody years. I will never forget the humility. I was, I was absolutely mortified, even though my girlfriend's ever all together years. I could not go. The pain, I had to leave Crosshaven. I cried home and I was saying, 
just isn't on. I mean, open the toilets, but if there is drugging going on or whatever, do go on. Close them again around six o'clock when the public are really gone home from mm-hmm. these areas. So you got you home, know? but you were in a lot of pain by the time you got there. I was in a lot, a lot of pain. Uh, and unfortunately for me, I can bleed from the kidneys and all that started, you know. Wow. Uh, but like, not, not mine, no, I know, I know. But anyone that knows me will know that, that that's the truth. But like, uh, it'll have to be a pull-up job the next time we go <laughs> there. Yeah, well, maybe and you're going back to being like a three-year-old now, a three-year-old. Maybe go, going back to the pull-ups is the, is the only way. Georgina, thanks a million. Time is against me. Thanks a lot. Thanks a million. Bye-bye. It's uh, 12 and a half minutes to midday now. The Neil Prendival Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 1850-104-106. It's amazing the tangents that happen on this show. It's organic. Anything can happen. And it's amazing the borough holes and rabbit holes we go down. We seem to be non-intentionally finishing on toilets today. And uh, let's go to Eileen. Eileen, the Pea House Patrol. You're going to give me a rundown on all the toilets you can go to in the city and go in. Well, yes, there's one in the market, the English market, just below Pat O'Connell's uh, stall there. There's public toilet there. It's 20 cents a quint with. But if you're stuck, there's a guy walking around all of the time and he will let you in for free. A fabulous toilet, spotlessly clean. There's another one in Home Essentials on the Grand Parade. But since the pandemic, they won't allow you in there. Staff only, they'll tell you. Right. But I was inside in um, Enable Ireland there last week. And like that, no, I was with someone else where I needed to get to the market. And I was saying, um, she says, I need to go to the toilet. And this, a member of staff inside Enable Ireland, I think her name was Nicola. Oh, she's like, if you need to go to the toilet, you can use our staff toilet. Go up the stairs, she said. And anytime you're stuck, call in and we will oblige you. So, I mean, as I said, there are lots of the toilets are closed down because of the pandemic. Duns is another place if, you, if you're if you cut out, like, and if you can get there. But, I mean, if you have to go, you have to go. There's a website as well, you know, that called p.ie. That's www.pee.ie. Yeah. So, you yeah, can look there sure. as well. Yeah, p.ie, yeah. But, I mean, if you're dying to go, you won't be looking at the website. You'll just have to go when nature's calling. This is, this is true. Uh, so, in in the city centre, what sort of, I suppose the wrong word is relief, do you expect next week when there's outside dining? Will it take a lot of the, will it take a lot of the pressure off the short-taken public that they can sit down and maybe have a coffee or a beer or something and use the facilities of the many pubs that will open with outside service next week? Oh, I would think so. You can go to Brown Thomas in no time and there's a free toilet in there as well on the second floor. Okay. I mean, there's no problem if, like, as I said, yeah, many times suss them up. But I mean, if you have to go anywhere, would you? Like, if you can get to a toilet. But I mean, I must admire that girl inside Nabal Ireland. And she told me if I was ever stuck in the city, come in and any member of the staff would let me use their toilet. But I said from next week, oh no, there will be no problem with toilets. But I mean, my heart goes out to that young woman in Pennies. I never even knew Pennies had a toilet, but it's in there. Well, she had they won't let you use their staff toilet in the story, like with a lot of them. Well, you you know that that you can understand as part of the public health guidelines. Yes, of course, of course, of course. Yeah, but I mean, as I said, we're there. Everybody is sanitizing so much now that you think, well, this is all, and that's it. You know, but exactly. anyway, they're, they're not all doing that. Yeah, okay. Well, that's a rundown on all the toilets you can go to in the city. They will be supplemented, of course, next week with the opening of the outside services. Uh, but that doesn't take away from the fact that public toilets, and many of them, are needed to be looked at again and financed for the city. Oh, 
definitely, definitely, yeah, yeah. And, oh, yeah. and and a solution found to make them, you know, to stop any antisocial behaviour happening within, whether that's a, yeah. a you know, closure at six or seven o'clock, uh, to Absolutely. allow the general shopping public access to them uh, when needed. Yeah, but so they don't need the toilets at all for the for their antisocial behaviour anyway. They'll go to any corner, they'll find whatever. Yeah, but I do think that these toilets should be closed at a certain time and opened at a certain yeah. time and taken care of. Yep, uh, toilets are open and closed at certain times in many towns around the country. That's not a new thing at all. Thanks, Eileen, for that. Bye for a while. Cheers, bye. thanks. Bye-bye. Now, we have a great competition this week. I'm having great fun with this one because uh, there are really... Uh, there's always one sticky one in the uh, in the three theme tunes. Have a listen to our uh, competition theme tunes from Musgrave Marketplace today. And our lines are open now on one eight five zero one zero four one zero six. We're going to take caller number ten. You'll need to identify all three. And as Cork reopens, Irish hospitality needs more than luck. It needs our support, and it's getting full support from Musgrave Marketplace, an Irish family business passionate about supporting jobs in our local economy. We have our Maritime Hotel in Bantry giveaway for today. It's a hundred and fifty euro voucher as Musgrave Marketplace are giving us a chance to win uh, these level of vouchers, hundred and fifty each day for very. Uh, services and uh, places and geographies. Rochestown Park Hotel was Tuesday. It's on again tomorrow for Sutton's Bar and Bistro. Copper Grove and Bandon was Monday. Maritime Hotel in Bantry today. And Ramen, uh, fresh to walk. Dave and all the gang there will look after you. That's a lot of food that you get for that €150 Euro voucher. And uh, each of our daily winners in with a chance on Friday of winning a €500 Euro voucher for the Breton Hotel. Just get to a couple of uh, texts before we take our caller. And uh, on the subject of crowds, the crowd gathering has been going on for months. It's not a new problem that occurred. It's because Tony Holohan mentioned it and drove into South William Street and saw it and was shocked that there's all the hype on it. The keys are private property. People have no business down there anyway. Uh, Let Ireland Live is another text that came in on 0868104106. The youth gathering on the streets will not be a super spreading event. We had no spikes after the Palestinian rally or the BLM rally or any of the anti-lockdown rallies. The virus is a seasonal virus like the flu that will affect people through October to April. 2.5 million have been vaccinated. Open the country before you completely ruin all the medium to small businesses. Young people's lives have been literally put on hold for a virus with a median age of death of 83 and a 99% plus recovery rate. Let Ireland live says Jenny. Now then, to our phone lines, and we have caller number 10 on line one, and that is Jared O'Sullivan, and he is in Rathcormac. How are you, Jared? How are you? I'm very good. What are you up to today? Not much, not much to do it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, have a listen to this and see if you can guess the three team tunes. And what do you think? Hearty Towers. Okay. Fools and Hopses, Fools and Hopses, and the Vicar of Dibley. The Vicar of Dibley is the third one. That's the tough one today. Yeah, Faulty Towers, uh, that fantastic 14-part series written by um, John Cleese and uh, his then-wife Connie Booth. In the middle, Only Fools and Horses, written by a guy who I believe was born in Glanmire, John Sullivan, uh, grew up in London. Uh, and The Vicar of Dibley, one of the great comedies uh, from the UK scene. Well done, Jared. You are our winner today, and we're going to send you a €150 Euro voucher for the Maritime Hotel in Bantry, courtesy of Musgrave Marketplace, an Irish family business, who are really getting instrumental and putting their shoulder to the wheel and opening and reopening Irish hospitality. So well done to you, sir. 
Thank you very much. Well done, and here is the uh, here's the reveal of all three. Thanks, Jared. Why do only fools and horses work the lalala? And the Vicar of Dibley to finish. The programme was produced today by Brenda Dennehy and Seamus Wheelahan, along with uh, being ably assisted by Mark Willington. We'll talk to you tomorrow morning after news at night. Thanks for listening to this Red FM podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and check out redextra.ie for more great Red FM content.